And now for something completely different. Welcome to the Kings of Sport, the program changing the game one show at a time, a.k.a. the world's most dangerous podcast, a.k.a. iTunes' longest-running weekly episodic sports program produced and hosted by two or more African-Americans who are not affiliated with a major network. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and better than ever. I am, of course, the godfather, Nate Milton, a.k.a. your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, and I am joined. By my co-host. Y'all know this man. Y'all love this man. Most of y'all love this man. Uh, this brother is a multi-talented person. He is not only an angry intellectual who recently crossed that stage. He is not only <laughs> a, 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 a fighter on these streets, but a lover in the sheets. As he recently jumped the broom and is now a married man. Not only is he the mayor pro tem of Los Angeles, California, <coughs> but he is my co-host, my brother, and my friend. Y'all give it up for the angry intellectual himself, Chris Ely, a.k.a. The Professor. Can we rock? What's up, Doc? Yo, what is up, man? I'm uh, looking forward to this uh, show. Had a rough start uh, today because... Uh, when I get in a grading zone, I have to stay in a grading zone. Like it's it's and it's really hard to snap me out of it. You can ask my wife. I'm just like grading papers, and I, you kind of turn into a like it's a hypnotic a hypnotic trance that you get in. So um, then I saw this. So uh, yeah, we have you to. For, you forgot we was recording at eight. Yeah, completely forgot. Well, I. I remember this morning that we were recorded, but just once I started grading, once especially, 
Yeah, yeah. Like I've only got eight left, so it's like mm. I'm trying to get. And this is a class of like seventy, so trying to get that out the way. Chris, Chris grading the papers is like uh like DJ on Hustle and Flow. <laughs> he was trying to make their records, and people kept knocking on his doors, like yeah, trying to get me out of my mode, man. Yeah, yeah. As I, and I, I, music. That's what I would compare it to, real talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Chris is back, and we we're glad to have my brother here talking sports this week. We got a a big <sighs> show this month. We got a couple guests on the program. But before we get to our guests, let's introduce the newest member of the team. Y'all know this man. His brother stepped up last month, and 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 took the challenge, took that Mustang challenge, and joined the crew. He is he is now down with the Kings, ladies and gentlemen. He is a co-host slash producer slash we don't know. We're gonna find something for this man. Like, like he is a, right now, he's a utility player. Uh, and we're still trying to figure out a nickname for this brother. So if y'all have thoughts, you can drop it in the comments or hit us up on Twitter at Cospod KOS underscore POD. Uh, but this brother is uh, somebody we might call Sugar Ray from time to time. We might call him Raimondo the rookie. Uh, but also, you know what, Chris, since we are going to be very basketball heavy on this episode of the program, I might start calling this brother 10-Day Ray. Mm-hmm. This man Ray out here <sighs> playing on these 10-day contracts, trying to stay in the league, like 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 uh, Mark Curry on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. He kept trying to stay in the league. Right. We're going to see if this brother Raymondo Williams can stay in the league with the Kings of Sport. Brother Ray, how you feeling, man? I'm all good, Dave. It's always a pleasure to be a part of this, and um, I'm glad you invited me back. I'm glad I didn't do anything embarrassing the first time for you guys to kick me off. So uh, I'm always honored and privileged to be a part of this. Uh, you say 10-day uh I'm on that 10-day contract. I feel like I'm in the NXT. I'm still I'm still learning the ropes. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm the security guard that gets tossed around. And mm. then once I get my name out, then, mm. then I can start calling shots. But right now, I'm the security guard. Okay. <laughs> look, 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 this is how good Ray is right now. Chris, he don't even know it yet. He's still in developmental. But he, he said he's the security guard. And that could lead us to one of the stories we might talk about this week with some security out here in the NBA Summer League. But we are going to be talking a lot of NBA this week, and uh, SP3, friend of the program from True Hill Heat, is going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, nephew Andrew from the NWA podcast might swing through to talk some hoops. But uh, before we get to either one of those brothers, we have to bring in a first-time guest on the program, but he has been a friend of the program <laughs> for a while, and if you remember our 300th episode of the program, he was one of the friends in the podcast uh, game that uh, sent some love uh, in audio form uh, for our 300th episode. So it's great to have him here this month, Chris. I've been on the brother show a couple times, and so you know he, he's returning the favor. We played a home and home. So let's bring in from the great podcast Hoopsology, Justin Goodrum is in the building. Justin, how you feeling, man? Feeling really good. A pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of your guys' podcast, a big fan of your guys' work, so it's, it's awesome just to return the favor and uh, hop in your guys' house. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, we're glad to have you, brother. We are glad to have you. So there's so many places we could start when we're talking NBA free agency. Like, you know, Chris uh, is a Lakers homer, uh, mm-hmm. so you know he's got Lakers questions. I've got Hawks questions, uh, you know, because I don't know what the hell we're doing 
Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the league is doing passing around Patty Mills like a joint. It ain't it ain't right. It ain't fair to this brother Patty Mills. Uh, and I think Ray probably has some questions as well in regards to what uh, is going on in free agency. But the biggest story as of right now, Justin, is what's going on with Dame Dye. Because Damian Lillard is one of those players who, while he does have a lot of miles on that body, he is somebody <coughs> who instantly makes a team that is kind of on the borderline a contender. You know, mm-hmm. and whether we're talking about the Miami Heat, the Brooklyn Nets, whoever ends up with this brother, uh, they instantly become a part of that larger conversation. So let's start there. Dame Lillard, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of reporting going on out there about where he could end up. What is your thoughts on the uh, Damian Lillard saga so far, and where do you ultimately think this brother lands? Yeah, I think it's a tough situation because from all the reports that I am hearing, the deal that Miami wants to give to get Damian Lillard, um, they don't want to part with Tyler Hero, and I think that's a that's a huge right. sticking point. So yeah. in my eyes, I don't think Damian Lillard is going to get what he wants. I'm a huge fan of Dame. I think he's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Personally, um, I think he's been kind of handcuffed in Portland, in my opinion, and I think mm-hmm. going to really any other team in this league, he instantly – like you were saying, Nate, uh, makes a squad a contender. Uh, but my concern is the primary <clears throat> destination of him going to the Heat. I don't know if Portland's going to like what the Heat are going to be able to offer. So that's my main concern. Um, Brooklyn, that's another destination. Um, I've heard on some other podcasts that he, but Damian Lillard was on, that that's another destination that he would like to go to is Brooklyn. But again, what type of package is Portland weathered? What is what the Packers Portland um, willing to put up with? I don't know, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be a huge sticking point to where um, this whole deal lands. Yeah, I think when you look at what Portland wants, to me, it's probably got to come down to picks yeah. and youth because this is not a team in the Portland Trailblazers that realistically is going to be competitive in the next two or three seasons. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're in the rebuild phase. And so it makes no sense for them to take back big contracts (laughs) or aging stars in exchange for Dame. To me, you know, I've I've got players like uh, Anthony Simons. I've got players like, uh, who's the boy, Uh, Shaden Sharp? I think, yeah. I always screw up his first name. Yeah, yeah, like it's Shaden. I think it's Shaden Sharp. But, yeah, he's a good young player. Yes. Like, I think he's got got some skills. And so, to me – the idea, if I'm Portland, is, okay, let's look at the young players we have and how do we best build around them. And that's not by taking on, uh, uh, you know, big contracts. Yeah. I Honestly, I don't even think, and this is no disrespect to that man, Tyler Hero, I don't think, if I'm Portland, like, yes, he's probably the best you can get from Miami, which is another problem in and of itself for the Heat. But I don't, I don't know if Tyler Hero's the answer. I don't think is. I like Tyler Hero a lot, but he's he's inconsistent, and I think he's yes, shown mm-hmm. um, in past seasons, you know, the lifestyle and like the glamour of the NBA has gotten to him, <laughs> in my opinion. So I think he's a talented player. I really I, I like him on the court, but you know, mm-hmm. the office court stuff. I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know about this dude. So yeah. um, I think, especially him being traded to Portland, less glamorous. I think he's going to have some problems there. So, so. And he's right. also, to me, I don't know how he fits in with guys like Simons because, yeah. to me, you, you if you bring in Tyler Hero, you got a log jam at kind of that two-guard spot, you know, because Simons can play the one, but to me, I think he's 
probably better as a two, maybe. Uh, and so is Shady. And so it's like, well, we only got one ball, fellas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. So, look, Chris, I want I want to get your thoughts on this, man, because you yeah, know you've yeah. been a fan of this brother Dame for a minute, minute, man. Mm-hmm. Back when he was playing like that little baby in the State Farm commercial, dropping dimes, dropping dimes. <coughs> Kevin Love, where you get all them damn dimes from? That was a great commercial, man. Go back. Don't like don't yeah. go now because you're watching us, but go watch that dropping dimes State Farm commercial on the YouTube, man. That, to me. It, it it doesn't quite make up for not winning a championship for Chris Paul, but to me those yeah. are, like that that should add to his legacy. Them damn commercials that he made with uh, Kevin Love, Dame Damian Lillard, and uh, who was who was uh, DeAndre DeAndre Jordan was like the mom, and Kevin Garnett was the granddaddy in those commercials, and it was wild. And Jake from State Farm was there, and we loved it. Uh, it was a moment in time. But Chris. When you look at Dame Lillard, you know, a dude from Oakland, you know, uh-huh. around, around your neck of the woods, um, <clears throat> you know, he is very, he's been very loyal to these Trailblazers, maybe to a fault. And I would say the Trailblazers have probably been very loyal to Dame. And so they're going to want to do the best for him. But at the same time, doing the best for the player and doing the best for the organization don't always line up. So I think if the, if the Heat are going to get into this, Chris, I think they're probably going to need a third team maybe to get a deal done. So where, where do you think Dame ends up? And uh, you, I, I already know, Chris, go, go tell me why Damian Lillard's going to end up on the Lakers. I know you got some type I, of. I, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to happen. Um, I do think that uh, Dame Lillard is, is still a productive player. Mm-hmm. Um, even at this, he, he's not like an old man and he's still, his numbers are still good. Um, I, I do think that he find they find a way to get him to the Heat. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. Um, I'd love to have him here in LA, but I think the uh, marriage between him and Portland has kind of run its course, mm-hmm. and I don't see him winning a ring on the Portland Trail Blazers, especially no. since the West has gotten so much stronger. Um, if Portland <laughs> ever had a window, I don't know if they realistically did, but if they did, yeah. it's closed. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that the Portland window closed with when Clive Drexler went to the Rockets, right? So I damn, this is like <laughs> that is, it's it's been that it's been that long. But I mean, like you know, um, maybe that year where um, Yusuf Nurkic slander is is, is disrespectful. Yeah. Chris. Well, well, I, the year Pippen was there with Sabonis, and they yeah. uh, almost took out the Lakers. Uh, yeah, that that well, the that Jailblazers. The oh yeah, the Jailblazers <laughs> era with Rasheed yeah. and Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a decent era, you know. Um, yeah, I, but but yeah, I, I don't really know, and I, I haven't really been paying a, attention to the situation with uh with Dame, but I definitely think that um. Where if he finds the right fit, I think he'll mm-hmm. make. If if he's if he goes to the you know the what are the teams that I've heard mentioned? There's a uh, Brooklyn, L.A. Brooklyn. Yeah, well, Brooklyn. I don't know if he's making Brooklyn. Not L.A. Brooklyn, better. Miami. I'm sorry. Yeah, Miami. He'd make better. Um, Brooklyn. Um, he'd make Brooklyn better. I don't know if Brooklyn is. Um, I mean, the problem with Brooklyn. Is I could say the 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 Brooklyn 
they don't have the Clippers curse um, <laughs> quite. So they um, so he could go to Br- Brooklyn and theoretically make them better. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I, I don't. I don't I don't think they're gonna get good in the immediacy. Like I mean, like yeah. with with Dame Lillard. That's not something I see. Let me go back to uh Justin real quick, uh, <clears throat> because to me, another team, and I don't know, I guess it all kind of depends on the James Harden of it all. What about Dame in Philly? Do you think that's a, a landing spot that could work for him and that he'd be happy with? That is an interesting prospect. Um, especially you brought up James Harden, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him in a little bit. But um, if Harden were to depart and Lillard were to join the 76ers, I think that's perfect. Mm. I think, you know, Embiid's been dying to have a, a kind of a co-star along with him that has a passion for winning. Mm-hmm. And James Harden has shown spurts of it, but he was not a good fit on that team, especially with Doc Rivers. And yeah. I don't see it happening with Nick Nurse either, with him, you know, Nick Nurse being the new yeah. coach. So I, I actually think that's a great fit. I don't know how that would work in terms of like the players and picks and all that, but they, would they that, do, you, do you think they'd have to give up Maxi in that deal? I would say probably yes, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I, I think it, it just kind of depends how it works out. But assuming everything aligns with each other, I think that's a fantastic fit. Um, I, I think you know Embiid's always been looking for somebody to have that same fire. <clears throat> I mean, Embiid wants to win a title. I think, yeah. yeah, he cares about being MVP, but ultimately the championship is the end goal. And I think Damian right. Lillard is a perfect addition to that. I think that worked out very well. Uh, what about you, Ray, a.k.a. 10-day Ray on these streets? Uh, what, what's your thoughts on the Dame situation? And do you think let's, – let's project, you know, a month from now. Do you think that we'll be talking about Dame in South Beach or does he end up in uh, Brooklyn? Well, Or somewhere I, else? Uh, that's interesting. Um, I think I've been hearing rumblings with all three of the teams mentioned as far as uh, Miami, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia. And I just feel as though, even though Dame knew, like he he signed a contract and he knew that maybe Trailblazers, we won't be able to get anything to help you, to back you up, mm-hmm. to get you to that next step. <clears throat> but he still signed the contract. And so a lot of people are saying, well, you've been saying all this time you were being loyal and now all of a sudden you want to get out. But I think from Dame's uh, position, he's like, well, I've been playing my butt off and then you're going to sit me down towards the end of last season just so that you could get a better stock in the draft. Mm, it's mm. like, are we playing? Are we are we trying to play to at least get better and to be closer to a championship? Or are we rebuilding? Like, I, And I think that he does have some onus, or not some onus, but I think he does have a little bit of leeway as far as seeing if the team is going to do a bit right by him. So I don't blame him for asking out. And I'm, I think it's long overdue uh, as far as where he's going to go. Um, as was mentioned beforehand, what is my, what is Miami going to do? What is Miami going to give up? Like, mm-hmm. like you all said, Tyler hero is it, not enough. And <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly, and, Justin, like Kyle Lowry can, ain't gonna get it done, right? Right. <laughs> like Justin, maybe you you can add some insight on this. How is it gonna be if 
Blazers can't find a trade partner or they can't find two teams to work something out, how is it going to be if Dame ends up staying for like the first part of the season? Is that a possibility? Can he stay? I think that's a strong possibility for mm. sure. And I think you're looking at like a Carmelo Anthony situation when he was in Denver. Um, I think, yes, it's going to be very, very awkward. Um, I think the fans, I think they're going to feel weird. Uh, we, I've talked, we've had some insiders from the Portland area state that the relationship between management and the fans have really have not been that good in terms of building you know, Portland to that next level and does Damian Lillard being in this lame duck situation. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's going to strain that relationship for sure. <clears throat> I think Damian Lillard, he's a professional and I just yeah. can't see him just sitting out. I just don't see that. That's, that's not in his DNA, but it's going to be awkward for sure. Um, and it's just going to be a dark cloud over that organization until they trade him somehow. So yeah, so he's, he's not going to pull a Ben Simmons. So. I don't think so. I just think he's more of a professional. Don't get me started on Ben Simmons. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but uh, I, I I think he is a professional. I think he'll just kind of say the right things until they, they find a way to say, get him out of there. So. And I think the thing with Dame, even though Ray tried to paint the situation like Dame was uh, in Ready to Exhale, like 11 years of sacrifice. <laughs> uh, like, like it ain't been like that. Like they've had a pretty good relationship, you know, as far yeah, as yeah. superstar and organization. And it seems like Portland is trying to do right by Dame. Uh, Justin yeah. and Dame, to his credit, has not been trying to rock the boat or force his way out of town like we've seen others, particularly yeah. like we just mentioned James Harden. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Kyrie, we, he, he hadn't tried to do any of that type of stuff. And so yeah. I think this is if, – if he does have to start the season in a Blazers uniform, he's going to play to the best of his ability and do the best to help that team until they can find a trade partner. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know – Whoever gets Dame, they're going to get a professional first and right. foremost. And they're going to get a guy who is still – he's still got a lot left in the tank, I think. And yeah, yeah. maybe all he needs is a change of scenery and a change of running mates. And, again, like Miami would be a good spot. Brooklyn would be pretty decent. But I think if I'm Dame, like I would be like, you know what? Philly ain't so bad, man. Particularly if they don't have to give up a lot of that core to get me. I mm-hmm. think Philly could be a good landing spot for Damian Lillard. But let's let's get off of Dame real quick. And, and let's, you know, I want to touch on Chris's Lakers. We have to talk about my Hawks, of course. I don't know who the hell, who, who your team is, Ray. Good old Washington Wizards. Yeah. We ain't talking Wizards today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there yeah, is right. one topic I do need to talk about before we. Uh, but the, the, yeah. the, you know, we've all got our teams here. But I think, Chris, we'd be remiss if we didn't. Clear the clear the lane, so to speak, and let JG work for a little bit. Let the brother cook, because out of all of us, Chris, do you happen to know where this brother hangs his hat? Where this brother resides, Chris? Oh no, this man stays in a place that you might be able to call Title Town, USA. We talking Denver, Colorado, Chris. Oh, okay. The brother. Look, I, I was looking for the broom or the Swiffer in his background because he swept your Lakers out the playoffs, brother. Oh, yeah. So and, 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 and we, 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 we saw it coming out. That that was <laughs> like I've seen the Lakers get swept. When when you have a team that wins all the time, the other <laughs> the, the flip side of the coin is they lose a lot of the time, too. And I've seen the Lakers get It's like Ric Flair. Hey, man, I'm a 14-time world champion, but I lost 13 times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, um, like, um, with as far as um, the the Nuggets sweeping the Lakers, that's one of the. If you're a Lakers fan, it was a very heartbreaking sweep mm-hmm. because, like, every single game, we were in the game. You know, it wasn't yeah. like we were like down, like we got blown out by like fifty or anything like that. It was like we're in the game, and for some reason, we just couldn't turn it up a notch. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very, very heartbreaking. Had LeBron but, sitting on the sideline like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I, I had all the qualifications, but for some, yeah. for some reason we <laughs> weren't picked. Um, yeah. but the Denver but, but, Nuggets were the one that was picked, Justin. And, and so yeah. I want to get your input, man, <clears throat> about this team. You know, and they have made some moves here during free agency, which some would say have made this championship team maybe a little more vulnerable than they were a month ago, but. What's your thoughts, you know, going from that championship win over the Miami Heat to now we're in free agency with the Denver Nuggets as they try to defend their title? What's the what's the mood been like in your neck of the woods, brother? And and, and tell us about this man, uh, the Joker on these streets, brother. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I am not a Nuggets fan. Um, love living here in beautiful Denver, Colorado. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I have a hardcore. He's the one man in Denver just looking mean exactly. and bitter. I, at the parade. I, I, I'm a hardcore Bulls fan. Of, hey, I signed a blood contract <laughs> with Michael Jordan back in the day, and I will never leave that. So uh, my loyalties are to Chicago, despite how terrible they are. But um, <laughs> besides that, I am. I've been tracking this team very closely, um, just living here. <clears throat> and the environment's been very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, being Coming to a couple of Nuggets games and just seeing the relationship between the fans and um, just the, the squad itself, I've been known to kind of bash the fans here, <laughs> to be honest, um, compared to other NBA arenas. I think mm-hmm. you know Denver is very spoiled with a lot of its pro sports teams. Um, the yeah. Avalanche just won the title last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Th- the Nuggets are kind of, you know, the third, fourth banana, um, you know, in a lot of years. And this title run, I think, got a lot of people to come around this team. And I think the Nuggets have been poised to, you know, have this title win for years, ever yeah. starting in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And starting mm-hmm. out with their their leader, um, Jokic, I really, really think he's been underrated. Um, I didn't like some of the discussion around him surrounding him being MVP regarding the whole the race talk. I just thought, mm. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Um, yeah. And just to really um, disparage him like that, um, I think that was unfortunate. And to me, to Justin, yeah. real quick, not to yeah, cut sure. you off, but no, I yeah. think the reason why you got a lot of pushback on Jokic mm-hmm. in terms of the MVP race. Yes, there were some people that made it a race thing, which I don't think it was. Uh, but I think more than anything, it was aesthetics. You know, because you can look at Joel Embiid and be like, yeah, that, that dude looks like he's doing a lot. Whereas with Jokic, man, he just, everything is smooth, easy, like the passing, you know, the way he gets his points, the way that he works his offense. Like, it just looks easy and it looks it's not not that it's ugly basketball, but it's like boring, I guess you could say, to a certain extent. Right. Even though the brother's fantastic, put up numbers that we have never seen before in an NBA finals. Like, dude is a generational talent. Uh, but for whatever reason, like he just doesn't kind of pop off the screen until it's the fourth quarter, and you're like, Well, damn, this dude got another triple double. 
Yeah, he's like Tim Duncan. I think that's mm. an apt comparison. Yep. yep. And I have no problem with uh, thinking of others for an MVP, Giannis or Embiid. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Based mm-hmm. on like numbers and who you think's the better player, that's fine. I mean, it's really close. They're all three really great, talented players. But yeah. um, what was interesting to me, we talked to a lot of Nuggets as reporters here, and it seemed like it got into his head a lot. And that was mm. a concern heading into the playoffs. It's like. I didn't think things would bother him from a media perspective, but it seems like that did. Like the whole race conversation really, really, I think, hurt mm-hmm. his. I don't want to, I don't know how to phrase this, but I think it hurt his feelings. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it was, I didn't expect that to be his reaction, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating seeing that happen and then hearing, you know, after he won the title that he doesn't really care about basketball based on him just wanting to go home to his family. Like he mm-hmm. clearly cares about the craft or else he wouldn't be the player that he is. And just based on <clears> what he was dealing, entering the the playoffs and with that pressure in terms of the nuggets, everybody's healthy. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is healthy. Jamal Murray's healthy. Um, they got their core there. There's a lot of pressure on this team to perform and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that whole discussion of him just, thinking that basketball is kind of like his day job. He doesn't care. I think is, is um, just misread on a lot of people's part. Um, Just analyzing that's their, their playoff run overall. um, I wasn't surprised. I mean, this has been a fantastic team Just seeing them play in person. And then on TV, I was not shocked by it at all. I think they were the favorites and I think they have a kind of like a Spurs Detroit Pistons 2005 Mm. vibe to them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I've seen them play live. They're exciting to me. I think Jokic is really exciting. I think I've talked about this with my co-host and other, you know, journalists. I, I like watching the guy play. Um, I think he's more exciting than Tim Duncan. I get kind of, yeah. you know, if we were to compare like, you know, non-exciting players compared to their counterparts, I totally, <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, he's less exciting than a Giannis um, or the Jokic is the most exciting, boring pe- player. <laughs> right. But okay. I mean, some of the passes he does, I mean, some of the things he did, it's amazing. Yes. I mean, it's just like, it's awesome to see. So, and he um, fits that team so well. He when you've got Murray, when you've got like uh, Aaron Gordon, I don't know if he's yes. like the fourth best player on the oh, team, but like underrated. They're so like defensively, they're so locked in this whole postseason run, man. It was like, damn, like I was surprised. Like I was a bit surprised the Lakers got swept just because, you know, you got the king out there. And I was like, LeBron ain't going to go out like that. But then I was even more surprised maybe that the Heat were able to, you know, get a game off or get, you know, get two games off because because yeah. the, the, the Nuggets seem so formidable. No, completely agreed. And you got to take a look at Michael Malone, their head coach, mm. like willing to battle for his guys as well. You don't really see that with other head coaches too much, especially the parade. I don't know if you guys saw the parade, but probably one of the most entertaining um, NBA or just sports title um, celebrations I've ever seen. Um, clearly, he was pretty inebriated during the whole yeah. celebration there, but um I think you could tell he really loves his players and really has a passion for Denver. And I think the organization <clears throat> paid him back in kind. I mean, the Nuggets weren't a overnight success. He's been there, he been in his community for a while, and they let him build this team despite, you know, some hills and valleys. And ultimately, it paid off on them winning the title. And I do see them being a possible dynasty. I don't really see, you know, any other team, mm-hmm. you know, to supplanting them 
as like the favorites. I really see this team as the core. As long as they have Jokic and as long as they have Jamal Murray, right? I think they can find the other pieces. I knew they wanted. So you to think Bruce like Bruce. losing a guy like uh, Bruce Brown, like that, is not going to be as big a loss as some people think? I don't think so. I mean, it was hilarious during the parade because even Michael Malone was like begging him to stay. You're going to stay here, Bruce, right? You're going <laughs> to stay here another year, <laughs> yeah. trying to get the crowd just to like plead with him to sustain another year. You could tell Bruce Brown was like, "I'm out of here. I'm going." To like, I'm about to get this so, check. Yeah, I'm about do to you, get paid. So do, I. Do, Oh, do you ahead. think they go? Do you think they go back to back? Mm. I think there's a strong possibility as long as they stay healthy. I think, mm-hmm. as we've seen this team, if they have injuries, I don't think so. I don't think they're able to overcome it. I don't think Jokic is good enough to overcome injuries to their core players. But if they stay healthy, I think Aaron Gordon's such an underrated part of this team. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you might mm-hmm. see his dunk from the slam dunk contest behind me. Um, he's really transcended that to be a really. Um, this talented player in this league. I mean, you see the guy play in person, and yeah. I think you really appreciate his his overall skills besides his dunking ability. And he's like their so, fourth best player, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it is. And I overall think health is going to be the main issue. I know it's kind of corny thing to say, but um, if they do remain healthy, um, I do see them being you know a contender to go back to back. I think that's a real possibility. All right. Um, can I ask my NBA question now? Or are we still on? Uh these um this, this man chris illy ain't got no time for your Denver nuggets <laughs> yeah yeah and they're not my team so <laughs> chris chris walked out like killmonger looking at your nuggets man is this your king <laughs> he ain't got time hey, Go con- ahead, congr- chris. congratulations to the nuggets i i was one of the people that i wasn't delusional saying the Lakers were going to beat them. So I, mm. congratulations to them. They won and they deserve all the spoils of the victor um, until next year. Uh, Chris said Austin Reeves is back. What you going to do, brother? <laughs> I, I got a question. Chris Paul. Mm. Chris Paul. Um, and this is for you, uh, Justin, because I'm yeah. – is – does – Cause, cause now Chris Paul is—I don't, I don't want to say he's up there in years, but he's been around he, for a he minute. He is. He is. Uh, he's been around for a minute, and he's now starting to turn into a journeyman. So mm. let's let's say if Chris Paul wins a ring on the Warriors, because that's the team he's playing on now. Will that ring have anything to do with Chris Paul being there, or will he be like a Tracy McGrady or um, a, great, a Gary Payton who played on the Heat, who was who who won the championship with the Heat, but was inconsequential to the win? Mm. Is he is Chris Paul still in a NBA position to matter? For a team like the Warriors, mm. uh, that's a very excellent question because <clears throat> you know his tenure on the Phoenix Suns. <clears throat> I think there was times where he was probably the most important player on that team, but mm-hmm. injuries just really caught up to mm-hmm. him. Father Time, you know, Father Time's undefeated, and I think um, that's going to be the biggest thing in Golden State. I will say, at least in. You know, in Golden State, the, I don't think there's going to be that pressure on him to be such a core member of that team compared to when he was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he'll be a contributor, you know, to that squad more than just his on, you know, court ability. But you know, Chris, I agree with you. I, I just think seeing him 
be hurt and is he in inconsistency, you know, with Phoenix? I don't know if he's going to be a strong contributor to this team. I mean, the, the Golden State Warriors are a well-oiled machine in terms of Clay and Steph and Draymond. Mm-hmm. And I just think with Chris Paul, this is his inconsistency throughout the entire season. I just don't really know. At the same time, I think, I don't know, I you guys can speak to maybe other sports, but at least in the NBA, you know, what really matters is the playoffs and the finals. So yeah. if he's terrible or if he's just injury prone throughout the regular season, but if he's healthy during the playoffs, all that regular season is going to be irrelevant. So mm-hmm. um, I think he still has that ability to, you know, play an important role to Golden State um, in a potential playoff run. But, man, those injuries really turned me off to him. Um, the last few years, and I don't see it getting any better. But at the same time, I don't see there's any pressure of this playing up every night, you know, with the Warriors. I don't, yeah. I mean, you can sit him, you can, there's strategy in terms of using him within that lineup. So overall, I think there might be more of a prospect for him to be, have more of an effect um, come playoff time. And to piggyback off of Chris's question, uh, JG, yeah. is Chris Paul, and this is basically just me taking a shot at, Ray's beloved Wizards. Is Chris Paul basically a net gain, a net loss, or a net neutral in terms of Jordan Poole for the Warriors? Is is losing Poole and gaining Paul, is that a positive, is it a negative, or is it a wash? Uh, another good question. I really like Jordan Poole. I, I did. I just thought that was a horrible situation with Poole and Draymond. Yes. Um, I think Poole had a lot of potential on that Warriors team. And Draymond and, punched it out of him. Uh, yeah, just it's just terrible just the way that unfolded. I think overall, just looking at it, I think losing you know Poole and gaining Chris Paul, um, ultimately I think it's like a negative. I really mm-hmm. like Poole on the Warriors, and I just – don't see that return with Chris Paul overall being on that squad, but we'll see it, it comes playoff time. Um, I think you're looking at, you know, him being such a factor. I think kind of, I'm trying to think with, you know, not now, but I think, you know, with Udonis Haslam, when he's had, you know, some ability left, I think you, you saw him have some kind of a role with that heat team in the yeah. past. I think you're going to see that very similarly with Chris Paul um, come crunch time. And Rookie Ray, uh, go ahead, bring that question back up. Rookie Ray back here producing y'all. So we got a question from Steve Willie, friend Excellent. of the program. Shout out to Steve out there in Chi-Town. Steve says, looking and sounding good, gentlemen. How do the Bulls get out of NBA purgatory, Justin? Oh, what boy. is the answer? <laughs> this is like my second uh, least favorite topic discussing. Uh, number one being Ben Simmons. Uh, basically, with Chicago, they really kind of made a deal with the devil uh, on several fronts. One, with Vucevic, I you know I wasn't really happy with him in mm-hmm. Orlando. I was like he's all right player, I guess, and I haven't really been impressed with him in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And with Zach Levine too, I mean mm-hmm. I like his dunks and all, <laughs> but in terms of him being a uh, franchise player, I think he's been above average at best. I've loved Demar Derozan; he's been fantastic. Yeah. But overall, I think <clears throat> honestly, it's to blow up this team. You trade mm-hmm. everybody, you start over, you draft. Especially um, once Lonzo mm-hmm. got hurt. Yeah, once Lonzo, that yeah. was a killer. I, I, you know, I was here um, when the Bulls played Denver, and Lonzo was healthy during that game. That was a different mm-hmm. team. The Bulls mm-hmm. looked like a bona fide top five team in the East with Lonzo on that squad. I know Lonzo gets a lot of crap for multiple reasons, but you saw. I mean, there's the evidence is with you know him with the Bulls and what the Bulls are now. I mean, they are a shell of their former selves without Lonzo Ball. And well, once he got hurt. 
it, that's the squad has never been the same since. Well, what about New Age White Chocolate, aka Alex Caruso? He was <laughs> I like Alex Caruso. The Caruso yeah. in the streets. <laughs> yeah, he's been. He's or, been or as I call him, you know, some people call him White Chocolate. Some people call him Caruso. I call him uh, Austin Reeves' uh, version, the the beta version. Like he is, <laughs> he is the prototype <laughs> they was working on. Like we need a badass white boy out here. Let's see what we got with Caruso. And they were so, like, ooh. The formula's <laughs> almost there, Justin. We almost got the uh, Oreo cookie tasting right. delicious, but we need a little more cream in there. And then that's when they brought in this man, Austin Reeves. <laughs> so he's 1.0. So the Bulls basically have the 1.0 yes, version. they got version 1.0. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get the upgrade. No, no, they didn't. I, I like Alex Caruso. He's very serviceable. <laughs> but you're, you're like, in terms of him being uh, a possible replacement for Lonzo Ball, yeah, not there. But yeah. I've liked Alex Caruso in Chicago so far. I think the, the fans have liked him too as well. So They've had some issues at point because yeah. I know for a while they tried to go with that two-headed monster of uh, Sadoransky and, and uh, Kobe, uh, Kobe White. Yeah. And mm, that didn't work. really quite work. And I, I liked Kobe White. I don't know what happened to Kobe White, but I thought he had some potential. And then when Lonzo came in, like you said, Justin, like say what you want about Lonzo, particularly, you know, in the early days of his career, I think he was put in an unfair position, yeah, uh, doing large part to his daddy's mouth. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But, That's like, false. say what you will, Lonzo played defense, and Lonzo was a good passer. And mm-hmm. he could get yeah. you, you know, 10, 15 a night. So, I like, to me, Lonzo, you could do a lot worse at point guard than Lonzo Ball. Agreed. And he, I think he just did the little things, and I think he just gelled with that team because Lonzo doesn't really care about scoring. Mm-hmm. And I think he was really a huge contributor in really launching DeMar DeRozan's resurgence in terms of a mid-range game. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of yeah. got forgotten in San Antonio. And really with Chicago, despite their struggles, DeMar has been fantastic, and I think Lonzo had a big role in playing in that. Uh, but to answer the question, until they, I think they have to blow up the team, start over, build through the draft, and then we'll see. I'm a big believer in the draft as opposed to just getting this random free agents. So I think that's just the way to go. I think just playing these games of re-signing kind of mediocre all-stars, I just mm. think we're going to get mediocre results. In the end. Right. Yeah. So let me, let me do Chris a solid here, Justin, because I don't want Chris to get painted into a corner on these streets, you know, just being a Laker homer, waving the pom-poms for LeBron and them boys. So I, I'll, I'll pick up the sword. These Lakers, they did, to me, they did a lot by staying cat, by bringing back D'Angelo Russell, by bringing back Rui Hachimura, who I think is, was an underrated pickup during the season, by bringing back uh, White Chocolate version 2.0, a.k.a. him, Austin Reeves on these streets. Um, so I feel like uh, they also, I think, a guy that, that might be overshadowed because he's not a big name like a Bradley Beal who we saw go to Phoenix or a big name like a Kyrie Irving who stayed pat in uh, Dallas, but a guy like Gabe Vincent who gives them, you know, that perimeter offense that they sorely need. Um, what what are your prospects for the Lakers? Do you think there's any more moves to be made? And uh, if if they stay healthy, how good can this team be with a full season under their belt? Well, it was very fascinating because I think the midpoint of last season, we've had um, a few guests that were hardcore Laker fans, and man, this did – just the uh, hatred that they had <laughs> in terms of the Lakers' performance. I was like, mm. man, you guys are harsh. It's <laughs> just with this team. They were not happy in terms of the Lakers' performance um, just during you know the Russell Westbrook era. And mm. that trade that they made, it was genius. Yes. Um, and I think, honestly, the Lakers, mm-hmm. despite them being swept by the Nuggets, I think they got disrespected in terms of their performance. I was really impressed. The way mm-hmm. that they were able to bounce back, um, you know, take those additions, like you mentioned, Nate, 
and really, you know, make a run. I was truly impressed. Um, in terms of their prospects next season, it, it comes down to Anthony Davis. Is he going to stay mm-hmm. healthy or not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be to put it that simply, but when Anthony Davis is healthy, I think he's an elite player in this league. I think he's borderline MVP candidate when he's overall healthy. Yes. Um, when they are, when he's hurt, you know, we, we've seen how the Lakers are going to be. They're going to be a, you know, a bottom level team in the Western conference, in, in my opinion. So, but I think Anthony Davis is a special player. I think he gets disrespected because of his injuries. I think, you know, that's been kind of the Achilles heel of this team overall. And I think the Lakers, you know, I think they have a choice to make in the future. What happens with Anthony Davis in terms of his, if he's going to be a franchise player, because um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but wasn't the overall plan was, you know, for LeBron to pass the torch mm-hmm. to Anthony Davis yeah, that and was the, him to be the, the cornerstone of his franchise for years to come. And yeah, that was, that, yeah. yeah, that was the original plan. Um, and this, the city, from my own anecdotal evidence, is kind of split on Anthony Davis. I'm, I, I don't. Anthony Davis hasn't gotten me to the point where I'm like <laughs> begging for him to get traded. I know some people, people are. Look, man, I think the fact that they even made it to the um, Western Conference Finals, mm-hmm. I could put that in perspective and be happy with that because they weren't even supposed to make it to that. They were um, a seventh seed on the West. Yeah, they had to go um, through the plan. They, they, yeah, they, they beat some good teams. Well, uh, Memphis, uh, whatever. Memphis self-destructed. But, yeah, yeah, but, but, but they beat the Warriors, and the Warriors are um, a, a good team. But they, you know, they just didn't. They looked a little exhausted in the playoffs. So mm. I think that um, the what they were able to do with that team. Um, I I thought was amazing. So I I don't I yeah. I think the the I think Anthony Davis if he could have, um, if he could play at a, uh, if he could level up next season, um, I really do like my uh, Lakers uh, chances next year. I, and here's the thing, Chris, because we've had this conversation. And I think I brought it up on one of our shows. I would trade Anthony Davis. Yeah, uh, yeah, not because he's not a good player, not because he's a Hall of Famer, not because he's not a good teammate, but I think his trade value is just going to start to decline yes, the older that-, that he gets. And I think right now is probably the well, maybe maybe a year ago might have even been like the most you could get for this dude as a Laker. And my issue with AD is not that he needs to level up, Chris, as you're saying. I mm-hmm. think he's already at a great level. He's just never there. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you right. could be the you could be the best dad in the world. The last time we did a show was on Father's Day, I think, when we did the NWA podcast, like on Father's Day. You could be the best dad in the world, but if you're only there once a month, are you really the best dad in the world? You know what I mean? Like the best ability sometimes, JG, is availability, and unfortunately, I agreed because of things out of his control in terms of injuries, he hadn't been there. So I, I would probably look to trade ad but you do have to as chris said give credit to the lakers front office because what they did was what they needed most what what they probably should have done when lebron first got there like let's let's make this Mm -hmm. team younger around these two stars let's get defenders let's get passers let's get guys that know their roles let's get shooters and i think when you bring in you know those guys last year when when you're talking about Rui and and uh, uh d'angelo I think that's a good one-two punch of youth and 
you know, guys that can get you some buckets from time to time. I think uh, uh, Cam Reddish is a guy who I, you know, the Hawks had Cam Reddish once upon a time. I think Cam Reddish is a guy that's just been looking for a spot and he just hadn't found the right spot. And I think maybe this can be it because there's going to be a lot of minutes for young guys on the Lakers because LeBron and AD, if, if the plan works the way the plan is supposed to work, I think you don't want those guys playing 40 minutes a game. You want them to be able to take a break and let the young guys step up. And so I think this could be a good spot for Cam. No, totally agree. And I think you bring up a good point because they can't have LeBron and Anthony Davis as play 40 minutes a night. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Lakers fans just react to the approach of this upcoming season because you have the new in-season tournament. Um, mm, and we're going to talk I, about that. Yeah, and I just think overall the end game is the you know the summertime, the playoffs, <laughs> and winning the championship. So the regular season, as long as you can get the you know within the top five, I mean, winning some pointless regular season games, I don't think it's going to be that important. I think it's going to be rest for LeBron and Anthony Davis. So um, health is going to be the most important thing. And like you said, you know the young core of this team, it's it's going to be make or break, and that's going to be the two things: Anthony Davis' health and the the youth of the squad. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I feel like, uh, you know, I want to hear more from uh, young Ray in this conversation. Uh, Ray, also keep us updated on the chats, if, if uh, the comments. If people got comments in the chat, let us know because, again, this show is interactive, so if y'all down with the Kings, let us know your thoughts about what we've talked about. But before I spin it back to Ray and Chris, um, I want to talk about these Atlanta Hawks, man. <laughs> what we got going on with these Hawks. So last year, the big news was we bringing in – DeJounte Murray to team up with Trey Young and John Collins and Clint Capella and some of these other pieces. Uh, and, and that's going to make us formidable in the East. And the Hawks ended up being like the <clears throat> most perfectly average team in the NBA down to their record, down to the, you know, the plus minuses down to the points for the points against, like they were perfectly average. They were like a a, a six-out-of-ten type of team. Uh, technically, they were a five-out-of-ten team because that's exactly what their record was at the end of the season. We saw Nate McMillan get kicked out the back door after he kind of helped resurrect this franchise, and Quinn Snyder came in. Quinn Snyder, a dude that looks like the coach on every, like, Lifetime movie <laughs> that's here to come help these inner-city kids learn how to get along and play together. <laughs> like, he... <laughs> Like, like Quinn Snyder, come on. Quinn Snyder looks like he used to be a big-time college basketball coach that got kicked out of the game for cheating Ray. And, <laughs> and the only way he can get back is by going to the inner city and coaching these kids to a high school <laughs> championship. That's Quinn Snyder. He's the white coach yeah. Carter. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about the Hawks because John Collins, as I mentioned, he is now no longer a Hawk. He is now a member of the Utah Jazz. I, I love JC for what he meant to the Hawks, but I think – just given the the salary demands of a player of his caliber, you kind of had to make a move one way or the other with him. So he's gone. Uh, they brought in Rudy Gay in that chair in that trade, and then Rudy Rudy Gay had a cup of coffee. Like Rudy Gay <laughs> was here long enough for them to put up the "Welcome to Atlanta" tweet, and then an hour later, Rudy Gay was out of Atlanta because Rudy <laughs> Gay got traded and he's off to Oklahoma City and. The Hawks got back Patty Mills, a guy who's already been traded twice this offseason, if I can uh, remember straight, uh, Justin. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like 
Atlanta's making a lot of moves based around salary because one of the attractive things about Patty Mills is he's an expiring contract. So when you look at the Hawks, it feels like they had a window maybe two years ago in the East where things were kind of shifting. But now where do you think their prospects lie? And do you think they've got any, any more moves to kind of solidify this team, man? Yeah. Um, we had on Pat Benson, who writes for sports illustrated covers the Hawks and his words, not mine. He said, I believe they were the most, one of the most defunctional front offices in the NBA um, mm-hmm. last season. Yeah. So Honestly, I was impressed they made the playoffs. I was shocked, um, despite how it, that ended. Just them and, you know, I, I realized there's a playing game. If things have changed. It's a lot easier to make the playoffs these days. But still, they made the playoffs. They got in. And I think that shows some hope, at least, for this team that was in dire straits to at least, you know, make it to the postseason with a new coach. I think that <sighs> brings up a lot of hope. Um, but at the same time, we, we've got to keep it real. I mean, I like Trey Young a lot, but – to me, is he going to be a cornerstone of this franchise? I don't think so. I, right. you really, as a A player, you know, on any type of team in this league, I, I think he needs somebody else. I think they, he needs to be um, accompanied by another superstar. I think yeah. building a squad around him, I think, is a huge mistake. So I think that mm. was, that's what it comes down to. They see if they can get another superstar to, to pair with Trey Young. I do think Trey Young's legit. I, I know people kind of hate on his game, but. He's proven to be clutch, and to me, that's an important thing in terms of uh, being an important um, yeah. aspect of, of a squad is having that clutch gene, so to speak. And Trey Young has it, but like that and, Boston, I, I never yeah. want to say an athlete looks scared, but in that Boston series at the mm-hmm. end, a lot of those Atlanta Hawks <laughs> oh. players started to get uh-huh. a little tight, and Trey was like, "I got this." Yeah. And 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 that you know, granted they lost the series, but it wasn't because Trey was scared. No. Totally. Ice, he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, what's his nickname? Ice Trey. Ice Trey. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's ice cold. I mean, he loves those moments and other players shy away from it. And I think that's a huge aspect. But in terms of him carrying your team day in, day out, he, there's, there's got to be another superstar. To be Who's the superstar then? So you got the Trey, you got your backcourt kind of locked up with Trey and DeJounte. Do they make, you know, we, you and I were talking about Clint Capella before the show tonight. Yeah. Do they try to make another move for a front court player? And does, is Capella going to be a part of that deal like who who would you think like who's a guy that might be available that you think would fit well with trey that's an excellent question i would have to, to look and see like in terms of kind of what free agents are available now i i mean a lot of players that would be a good match they're already tied up in huge deals you mm-hmm. know on other teams so um i think for the atlanta hawks is just trying to get rid of salary to be honest it's mm-hmm. just trying to, to free up and to see if somebody's available I think that'd be kind of the best strategy, even if it might hurt your team in the short term of, you know, playoff hopes and, and other aspects. I think the long game um, is going to be what the Hawks are looking for to, to pair with Trey Young. And you have to see if what's Trey Young's mind status is going to be. There's been a lot of turmoil. Um, you have to see if he's really going to be happy in Atlanta long term. I think yeah. that's a huge question as well. Yeah. My, my answer for Trey is is the answer I always use when I play 2K, fellas. Like, when when all else fails, trade for Keldon Johnson. Like, he ain't no superstar, but he's a good player, and he ain't going to cost you a whole lot. Uh, so see if Keldon Johnson's available. But, Ray, I know you and Chris got some questions. I just got a, a, a uh, DM from SP3. He's going to be joining us here in a little bit. Uh, so, Ray, I'll go to you first, and then we'll send it over to the professor. Uh, any other questions for our guy, uh, Justin, here in terms of NBA free agency? 
Well, I did want to double back a little bit. I know you wanted to breeze right past it, Nate, but let's go back to those Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Them 10 days are starting to tick down there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, real quick. I just want to know with everything considered, like when it first happened with the Chris Paul trade and everyone was like, oh man, they done gave, they done gave Bradley Beal up for an aging Chris Paul and some chewing gum and a pack of cigarettes. What are you doing? And then the, the, the sky is falling. But then Persingis, they trade him in a three in a three team trade and they end up getting uh, Tyus Jones and then they end up flipping Chris Paul for Jordan Peele. So, um, Justin, my question for you is, Jordan I don't Poole. want to say, yeah, Jordan Poole. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, so, hold on, the brother that made Get Out? No, I keep, I don't know why I keep getting them mixed up. But, um, but Justin, my question for you is just, I don't want to go on that whole, like, I don't want to go on that whole thing talking about, oh, well, what's the grade for them in the offseason? But I do want to know with them clearing up that space with Bradley Beal, clearing up that cap space, do you feel uh, kind of like in a similar place as your Bulls? Do you feel like it's time for them? They're already committing to that tear down and there. Mm -hmm. You think that there's hope? down the future for my Wizards, please say yes. Please. I think so. I think we've seen it with a lot of teams. I mean, look at OKC. I mean, how look how many draft picks that they, you know, stocked up. And you, you see it's starting to pay dividends. We've shaked Chris Alexander and Chuck Holmgren. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, you see with a lot of these teams, the stockpiling picks and building through the draft. And I think that's the best strategy to go through. Now it's going to take years. Yeah, I think that's, that's the bummer. I mean – Team, you're when you build through the draft, you you have the um, then the con of the t your team be being irrelevant for a certain amount of years. But I think that's what it takes to really build a franchise for the next 10, 15 years is just building through that and starting over again. It clearly wasn't working with Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is a fantastic player, but you know, you. you it just depends on you just need to change the scenery. I know it's corny, but look at DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he saw the same. Th I mean, he was a great player mm -hmm. um, in Toronto. I He was, you know, it, it felt like banished off the center of the earth when he went to San Antonio and he's back with Chicago. And even though the Bulls are mediocre, you've seen him. He really likes it there. And I think with Bradley Beal, a similar thing hopefully will happen with him. Um, and I think with the Wizards, I think it's probably best just to, you know, rebuild, just build with youth, um, mm -hmm. just grow that team organically and just take their time. Um, you know, I think with their additions, I don't think, you know, with Kyle Kuzma, um, I think with Jordan Poole, I think there's some, you know, entertainment to be had there, but in terms of being any type of a contender, I doubt it. <clears throat> um, but overall, I think just at patience, I think that's just the key. And I think, you know, in this day and age of the NBA, I think fans and even organizations, they're impatient. And I think um, just to have the foresight just to see, you know, what's going to be the draft class two, three, four years down the line, that's, it's, you know, possible to see that a lot better now than it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago, because you see a lot of prospects playing um, a lot more elite basketball earlier as opposed mm -hmm. to when you, you have to wait till they get into college. So I think for the Wizards, I think just the rebuilding process is probably the, the best way to go. So what's, what Justin is saying, Ray, is get ready for the Corey Kispert era, brother. <laughs> it's going down, brother. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of that man. 
two, three times a week uh, with your Watch the Wizards. Chris, uh, any other questions for our guy, Justin? Because uh, I do want to hit on, make sure we hit on the midseason tournament. Because to me, that is a, an interesting move. But uh, any other questions for our guy, JG? Um, I guess I could ask a question about the um, other LA team, uh, the cursed <laughs> Clippers. Um, hey, look, you you the mayor of Los Angeles, Chris. You can't pick sides. Well, you know, I I, I, time. I, I, I can never pick the Clippers because they they are too cursed to <laughs> do anything. So my question even isn't even about they're the Clippers aren't gonna win shit next year. It's the <laughs> Clippers and their curse. Um, so let's just get that out the way. You're giving Russell Westbrook locker room material, bullets yes. bull material right now. But but I did want to ask about that situation because what Russell Westbrook is still there, and it looks like Kawhi Leonard uh hasn't gotten moved. It looks like um what's his name? Paul George. Paul George um hasn't been moved yet. Um, what will the Clippers win the? Ch- no, that's a stupid question because they're not going to win the championship. <laughs> but will the Clippers make it to the playoffs next year? Damn, you said they ain't even gonna make yeah. the playoffs, Chris. I'm I think I think that's apt. I've always thought the Clippers are the most overrated team in the NBA. I because everybody has <laughs> if they're going to win the title. I'm like, I don't understand why. I and I, yeah. and one as I take that back. In one aspect, I do because they're kind of like on. If you don't, uh, I'm trying to be nice here. I'm. <laughs> I think on paper, yeah. I think it's it's a, a sexy team to peg based on their players. But if you dig into it, and if you actually watch them play, you can clearly see this is not a contending team. Um, yeah. I think they will make the playoffs just based on like the talent they have on on the team and just the play in tournament. I think it's just it's real easy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just really hard to see them just out of the play in tournament, um, especially if they remain healthy. Even with Russell Westbrook just being such a, I think will be a locker room nuisance on that squad. So overall, I see them making the playoffs barely. I think they have a lot of questions. I think they have a lot of you know self reflection just to see if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to be, you know, the centerpieces of this team moving yeah. forward. I, I mean, clearly we've seen it has not worked for them. They're having a new arena. It's a lot of pressure on this team now. It's a new right. era in Clippers basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think they have underperformed. And, and w- yeah. what about uh, Kobe Brown? Um, is he going to, what, what's he going to do for the Clippers? I think he was number 30, um, 30th pick for them. Um is he going to be a solid role player for him? I think it just depends on, you know, I believe in mentorship in terms mm-hmm. of um, the veterans on the team, taking him under the, his, under, you know, the, his wing. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. we've, I've seen, I've heard things about Kawhi Leonard being very quiet, you know, not the most, um, I guess, giving teammate at times. I think Paul mm-hmm. George is the opposite. So mm-hmm. I think he will have a mentor there. Um, and, you know, I see. I'm looking at his um, summer league debut. He had 11 points, uh, nine mm-hmm. rebounds in his, you know, debut against Utah Jazz. I, you know, we'll have to see how he acclimates to, you know, the regular season here. But mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility there. But I just overall, I think there's a lot of drama on this team, and I think for a right. rookie to be thrown into that, mm-hmm. I think it's problematic. So I, yeah. I'd be worried, to be quite honest. Well, so, I, I do real, real quick, Chris, because yeah. uh, Justin. You know, brought up a couple 
interesting words in in those answers. You know, he talked about Russell Westbrook maybe being a locker room nuisance. He talked about the drama going on with the Clippers. And and our next guest is a brother that may have been called a nuisance from time to time from some people, not by us. We we appreciate the brother. Uh, But he does love the drama, so let's bring in the tribal chief of True Hill Heat. Y'all know this man. Y'all love this man. Give it up for the good brother, Sid Pilar, a.k.a. SP3. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Thank thank you for that excellent introduction, Nate. Appreciate that. How you been, Sid, man? We we just been chopping it up, talking with uh, our guy Justin from Hoopsology about everything, you know, free agency uh, and, and, and a lot of the moves going on with the NBA right now. Uh, Chris got all the Laker questions out, so we, we're not going to talk about them damn Lakers no more, Sid. But uh, we, we, can't, we can't talk about my Lakers winning free agency. We can't talk about that. We can't, uh, we can't talk about getting a $100 million man, Austin Reeves, for 50, 56 million. What? What? Uh, Austin we Reeves got is- discounts. We came out with the coupons. We came out with coupons. So Le- LeBron, LeBron had that BOGO. <laughs> Buy Austin Reeves, get D'Angelo Russell free. <laughs> uh, real quick, Sid, like talk about your Lakers. Talk about uh, Dame Lillard. Like your 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 thoughts on free agency so far, man. I think it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, me being a Laker fan, I'm very happy with the free agency that we had. We made all the moves that we wanted to do and got deals that came out of nowhere that nobody was talking about, like the Gabe Vincent deal, which mm-hmm. I thought was very essential to our free agency. Torian Prince was a good pickup as well and taking flyers on mm-hmm. like Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes. Those were good decisions mm-hmm. as well. And we read up on the guys that we went through the re-up on as far as Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hashimura. I think we overpaid for Hashimura, but I mean, it, it kind of evens out with yeah. getting discounts for pretty much D'Angelo and Austin Reeves. But I'm very happy with the Lakers' uh, free agency. And I think overall, it's been a lot of change and positioning now that the Denver Nuggets have won the championship. Now that someone new has come to the party and is basically eating at the table and two of the last three championships come from Giannis and Jokic, and you could see the league kind of more positioning into having a little bit more size, and having the big threes, having those lineups that are going to score a lot. So you saw the Bradley Beal uh, trade. You saw uh, the Warriors trying to kind of put their team back together as far as chemistry with the trade for Jordan Poole and getting Chris Paul, which I don't think improves their team all that much. Just <laughs> makes them a little bit older. We, but, we talked know, about that. <laughs> y'all know how I feel about, about, about Chris Paul. I'm just glad he didn't come to the Lakers. I was mm. I was I was hoping for the Clippers, but Warriors is just as good. It's fine. Go over there, stay over there on the Warriors. We don't need you on the Los Angeles. Somewhere LeBron's just looking at an empty banana boat like, damn, what could have been? He's like, what what could have happened? And as far as the Damian Lillard trade, I think that's the last domino to drop of free agency wherever he's gonna go, whether it's you know, Portland getting the best deal possible for themselves. 
whether it's Portland being a little bit petty to Damian Lillard and not giving him what he wants and where he wants to go and taking a deal that a lot of us are going to look back on and be like, well, that wasn't the best deal. That's just y'all being petty to Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. There's always the possibility of that. I don't think that's I don't think that's the most likely, but there is a possibility of that. And or it's going to be Damian Lillard going to where he wants to go, which is the Miami Heat, which I mean, I in my opinion, that instantly makes them the favorite in the East. So that's really the decider right now. I think the Denver Nuggets have the lead over in the West. They're still the best team, despite them taking a lot of hits in this uh, in this offseason already, especially with free agency with losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. But. Mm-hmm. I would still give them the first lead. I would say Lakers second, second best right now in the in the West after our offseason. Wow, you, you you just gonna do that to the Phoenix Suns, sir? I, yep, I'm doing that to the Phoenix Suns. Because Phoenix Suns, I'm giving y'all third because mm-hmm. all y'all, I'm giving y'all third because all y'all got is three players. Got three <laughs> players. Y'all got three players. Uh, uh, a cone with a big <laughs> afro that's six nine. <laughs> and you got a whole bunch of guys that would be playing. That, you got a whole bunch of players that Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain was scoring like 50 and 50 on back in 1952 or 1962, whatever year it was. But that's basically what the Phoenix Suns got. So I would put them at three. And then the East is all going to be dependent on where Dane goes. If Dane goes to Miami, they're in the lead. I would say right now out of all the teams, I would say Boston. As the best team in the East, right? Now. Mm. So, real quick, uh, JG, because Sid brought up uh, uh, maybe the the flashiest story of free agency so far. When you look at the Phoenix Suns, and you know they they had already acquired Kevin Durant, and then you add to that Bradley Beal, and you've already got Devin Booker, and you've got DeAndre Ayton, who who some people on this podcast have have disparaged and slandered. Uh, minutes ago uh but to me the biggest issue with the suns like i think in terms of their starting five they can rock with anybody in the league to me their issue and it's an issue that comes up particularly over the course of a long season and then getting into the playoffs is the bench like they the, the bench lacks depth to me and this team and chris knows this is one of my favorite analogies to go to and i'll find a way to make this analogy work even if it doesn't work within the context of what i'm talking about justin but it's like the Temptations, and with Chris Paul—not Chris Paul, but with uh, uh, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, DeAndre Ayton, somewhat, and Kevin Durant. Certainly, you've got four David Ruffins, and then when that when those four David Ruffins look at the bench, you got eight Otises, <laughs> and ain't nobody coming to see Otis Justin. So, are these sons going to have to? find some way during the season, whether it's a, you know, move at the trade deadline, are they going to have to find some way to reorganize this bench and get some more depth or, you know, just as constructed right now, how far do you see that Suns team going? Uh, I think we've seen a recent NBA uh, years kind of both approaches work either, you know, get the superstars that you want and then just kind of, you know, sign some spare parts in free agency or, you know, try to build a le- legit bench. Patty Mills uh, like, I do it. I'll be one of those spare parts. Right. right. Um, I'm not a fan of DeAndre Aiden. I, I think that, you know, him playing with Chris Paul took a toll on him, and I don't see that improving mm. with Kevin Durant. I think they're kind of the same guy. So um, I think Durant's, real quick, uh, Justin, yeah. I think DeAndre Aiden to me is a player that was underrated that became overrated. 
Because I would Fair say, enough. like, in Fair his enough. first few seasons, like, he contributed more than I think people thought. Sure. Uh, but then once you bring in those dominant personalities, I think he's the kind of guy. And again, I don't know the guy, but yeah. it feels like, you know, everybody has different dynamics at work. And maybe he's not the best guy to work in a situation where you have those type A like guys like Chris Paul or, or Kevin Durant. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a struggle for him. But at the same time, it could take the heat off of him just in terms of all these different parts that they're Mm -hmm. adding to Phoenix. So that could play well in terms of just being an underrated player of that team as opposed to previous years. Like if DeAndre Ayton is your fourth best player, that's that's a pretty good starting lineup. Yeah, so I think – Overall, it seems like to me they're just gonna find some scraps <laughs> just to put this bench together. I don't. I think we've seen in recent NBA past, like you know, the era of just like these super teams. We've seen them kind of mm-hmm. fail. You know, mm-hmm. I think we've seen you know, through the Nuggets and even through the Raptors and just some other teams. Most recently, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, just having like a core team has proven dividends, um, mm-hmm. and. We'll see. I, I think there's going to be some conflict as to who gets the ball. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's only so, so many shots for so many people. So and I think with Kevin Durant, he's been in that situation before. But with Beal and, you know, Devin Booker, yeah, I have my questions in terms of how the offense is going to work. We'll see. Okay. So, yeah. So expect expect a lot of those guys that you see always on the free agent pile in NBA 2K to end up on a Phoenix Suns team <laughs> near you in the near future. Myers Leonard going to get minutes out here on these streets. Like, the brother might be racist, but he sure can grab a board. Uh, that, was, that was unnecessary, but he kind of brought it on himself, Justin. He did. <laughs> uh, so it's true. <laughs> let's talk about um, – because there are a couple topics I want to hit on. Obviously, we want to talk about Wimby. Uh, but I think, Sid, one of the things that we kind of kept bandying about before you came on the show tonight was the idea of this in-season tournament. Uh, I've got thoughts, but I want to hear you guys' thoughts first. Um, and let's let's start with let's start with Chris. Chris, uh, what what is your take on this? This is a very kind of European, like soccer right. kind of idea that they're injecting into the NBA. Yeah, it seems it almost seems like <laughs> you think a, it's a good idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's an idea. Um, like um, it, this is kind of it. It seems akin to like something like the national invitational tournament in college, right? Something like mm-hmm. that. Just kind of like a um, we didn't cro- quite get there, but you know, I, I I got no no problem with this. We're the mid season champs. Yeah, yeah. It's it's whatever. <laughs> I, I I mean, like I don't like I know Adam Silver his job is to kind of constantly inject the NBA with something new and mm-hmm. refreshing and, um, you know, television ratings aren't what they used to be. Um, and NBC, uh, uh, NB, like NBC is expected to make a bid for the NBA. Um, and I'm, I've heard a rumor from a few of my um, journalist friends saying that um, the NBA might, enter a three network deal like they'll mm. be they're like um they're gonna split there's a chance they will split games with um espn and nbc will split games and still hold on to um the uh turner the turner deal so okay i don't know exactly how that's that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't hate that either. Um, I I just like the NBA on NBC Music, man. I, yeah, I bring like that, bring that John Yeah, back. if you if, if you can, if you could bring back Round Ball Rock, I I don't care what network it's on. Um, but I think NBC that that's their thing. So, um, yeah, man. Um, I don't know what to I, like. Ex- I don't think it does any harm. I just mm. I don't I don't. I heard some people say it waters down the game. I mean. You know that the duck the duck contests were fucking um excuse the language um trying to be better uh the duck contests where Blake Griffin jumped over the Kia or whatever <laughs> you know I mean this is it's who cares man but yeah I got no, I got I got no problem with this with this thing you know so Chris is kind of like indifferent on it I think there's somebody here SP3 that is really gonna be down. For this midseason tournament, because it might be the only chance for his Washington Wizards to actually win something. <laughs> Rookie Ray, what, what do you think about this uh this concept, this idea? Well, I don't know about all that. I do, <laughs> but I do know one thing. I did check out the uh explanation video that ESPN put out with uh, Richard Jefferson and say what you want. This brother, he's earning his keep to try to make this sound exciting as possible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it actually it's not even mid-season, guys. Yeah. It's gonna be taking place uh majority of it's gonna be taking place in November, mm. and then the championship game for the NBA Cup, as they dubbed it, is gonna be on December 9th. And mm. I think that they're trying to pull those eyeballs because a lot of people are like, Well, call me when it's Christmas, then I'll start watching <laughs> right. I'll, I'll start mm. watching NBA again. So um I think it's it's a good way to try to get fans engaged a little bit more sooner. I I don't I don't have any problems with it. Um the only thing that I have an issue with is once you get through those group play games and then you start honing in on like the knockout games, then it's like you're still going to have this in the body of the season and so it's like people are going to be confused It's like are people even going to be paying much attention once they know that their team is eliminated from the tournament. If right. people who their team is in like the knockout stages, are they even going to care? Because it's like, well, it's not even January yet. I don't really care about this. As long <laughs> as we, as long as we make it in June, that, that that's all I care about. So I think on the one hand, I think it's a good attempt by the NBA to try to get fans more engaged a little bit mm-hmm. more sooner than the season. Cause of course you're going to have that jump where, all right, everybody's invested in the start of the season. And then, like I said, everybody's going to be invested come Christmas with all the Christmas games, but mm-hmm. that lag in between, I think they're trying to bridge that gap, but how it's going to affect viewership once it starts getting underway. And once teams are eliminated from it is like, will those games even matter so mm. and justin like uh you know obviously this is taking its cues from you know the europeans uh with, with the way soccer operates uh do you think this is a good idea bad idea uh, is it here's the thing too that i'm thinking about when we're talking about this this seems like 
an idea that is geared to maybe a more international audience, but also an idea that is maybe geared towards a younger audience. And, you know, full disclosure, like Sid, SB3, Chris and myself, we're all above the age of 30, whereas Justin, uh, he is currently on summer break from high school. So he might be a little bit more that core audience that uh, Adam Silva is trying to play to. Uh, do you think it's a good idea, brother? Um, I think it's a really good idea. I like the innovation. I've always liked mm -hmm. Adam Silver in terms of his approach to the game. Mm -hmm. um, I am pessimistic in terms of how this is going to be a success for the league. Um, I think this is a play for Vegas, to be honest. I mean, the mm -hmm. finals take place there. I think this is kind of an audition. Okay. okay, so you say he got an ulterior motive here. Totally. I, you know, I think once I've heard Adam Silver, he did one of his um, interviews during the NBA Finals. Um, <laughs> once the new TV deal is done, they want to expand, and Vegas is a yeah. target site for that. So um, I yeah. think this is kind of an audition for that. I think once everything gets squared away, they get the expansion team. They're going to establish this tournament in Vegas and then, you know, transport it to other, you know, um, cities around the country and around the world. I think this is a great, if this catches on, mm -hmm. like you were saying from an international perspective, this is a great tournament. Instead of just playing some random game in France or some random game in the United mm -hmm. Kingdom, you could take this tournament and play it in Mexico, play it, mm -hmm. you know, in the UK, play it in Brazil, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So I am optimistic because, Look at the games we see during Christmas. I think yeah. players get up for that. Players yeah. get up for MLK Day. Mm -hmm. So I think this is another thing. If you can establish the tradition of this yes. um, in the first five years, I You're think right. it's possible. But the, the players will determine that. So I'm 50-50. Um, I like the innovation. I like the idea. Mm -hmm. I like anything new and different. I think that's cool for Elite to take yeah. a chance. Um, but am I going to be like, hey, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. This is guaranteed to work. I, I'm not <laughs> in that category for sure. Yeah. I think part of it is just establishing it and then building it over time, Sid, because, you know, if you remember your boy, your guy, uh, arguably the greatest player in the game, uh, at worst, he's the second best player to ever play the game. When the idea of the playing tournament was announced, the King and many other players was like, nah, we, mm -hmm. we, we ain't, we ain't rocking with that. But then, you know, a couple of years later, it's like, okay, this might not have been the worst idea because it does open things up, you know, for right. a team that has yeah. been struggling for a while or a good team that maybe has an off season, it still gives them an opportunity for postseason play. So, and I also think Justin hit on something there, Sid, where, you know, we got this, we got this Trojan horse, if you will, where we trying to backdoor our way into Vegas, which I could take that mm -hmm. somewhere that we don't want to go because it's a family program. Uh, right. But I feel like, like if if that's kind of part and parcel of this, Sid, where yes, we want to you know inject this new tournament into the league and get more viewers, get younger viewers, get more international viewers, but also put that in the back of your mind, like uh, the NBA in Vegas, it ain't such a bad idea. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on this idea, Sid? And and is this something that you you would support, brother? Yeah, I think Justin and Ricky Ray made some excellent points, especially with uh, Ricky Ricky Ray kind of pointing out that you can basically have an NBA season by checkpoints. It's like video game checkpoints. Yeah, you yeah. got the start. Well, I like you got that, the yeah. you got you got the start of the season. Mm -hmm. You got Christmas Day. You got uh, mm -hmm. the the trade trade yeah. deadline time mm -hmm. and All Star break because they're pretty much around like a two week three week period yeah. of that yeah. type of stuff. And then the end of the season, that's it. Mm -hmm. So this adds something else to it and it adds some more eyes and it's an in, 
in-season tournament, which I think a lot of this comes from the influence of yeah. the of the, the, the bubble. The bubble right. was a big influence okay. on okay. all of this. And yeah. once again, the bubble mattered. So that means the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> don't have a Mickey Mouse ring. They have a real <laughs> ring because the influence is continuing on, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's continuing yeah. on to this day. Yeah, the mm. Miami Heat in the right. NBA Finals. Now we got in-season tournaments. The influence of the bubble is vast. It's, so like, it's, it, like, it's like the multiverse. So, so if I was comparing it to video games, it'd be like Street Fighter 2, and then you fight Balrog, and then Saget, <laughs> and then... Bison is the last. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not a bad – I think the more we've talked about it, fellas, like yeah. at first I was with Chris. I was indifferent. But now because of what you guys have brought up, uh, especially the Vegas yeah. thing, but also – because uh, I'm petty and I want to leave Chris on an island by himself. I'm gonna <laughs> join, I'm gonna join up with you. No, I, let's, well, let's I, go. I, I never. <laughs> I, I was never one of those people that hated it though, and I understand why you're doing it. And because, and also with the if they if they do go back to NBC, mm -hmm. some of those games are gonna be on USA, mm. and then that's gonna affect the wrestling landscape Ooh. too. You know, so this is yeah, this is um interesting stuff because. Um, the the way I heard it from uh, one of my friends is if NBC gets back in the bidding with um, this game, they're gonna, they want games on um, on NBC proper and on USA and probably even um, um, what's the channel? I can't think of it, but yeah, so probably on Peacock too. Yeah, yeah Peacock, like yeah. So. Yeah, and you know, I want games on MSNBC with Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow calling the action. Let's <laughs> get it. I, I think uh, so, Simone Sanders might actually do a good job with that. Yeah, Simone, Simone is great, man. Yeah, uh, but, but Chris is also great because Chris didn't know it, but may maybe he did know it because he's a professor. But Chris gave us the segue to go from the hardwood. Actually, let's stay in the NBA for one quick second uh, before right. we switch topics and talk about some wrestling here real quick at the end of the show. Because uh, there's two things I want to bring up that kind of tie into each other. And Chris wanted to uh, make sure that we talked about Stephen A. Smith uh, oh, yeah. this week on the show. So I'll let Chris hit Stephen A. Uh, that topic first, and then I'll bring up my other ESPN-related topic. All right, so there is a lot of uh, changing landscape in all of like sports media right now with uh, Shannon Sharp leaving at mm, Fox. Skip, right? and then, skip. Yeah, yeah. Tidy, that's, skip. That's my dude. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Broncos fan, so that Shannon, Shannon, Shannon Sharp, Sharp is, is good too. Is my dude. Yeah, right? yeah. Like there are um, some people, and I don't, I don't want to throw shade at nobody. Tim Tebow and and, uh, and to keep it racially equitable, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. some people that were good athletes that just aren't good at communicating, Chris. Yeah, Shannon yeah. Sharp is really good. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love um, uh, the the, Shay, the Club Shay Shay on YouTube. Yep. Um, yep. I think those are some very good interviews. Um, but the Stephen A. Smith thing, I kind of, um, since politics is my lane a little bit, mm -hmm. um, there was um, a few weeks ago where he um, was on um, Sean Hannity's show yeah. on uh, <laughs> on uh, Fox uh, Fox News, and he was uh, talking. Uh, we're we're not at the point where we say play the clip, but he was talking uh, <laughs> soon. Once once Ray get past this ten day contract, we can start throwing clips in the show. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll do that eventually. But where he was just talking <laughs> about um, about Joe Biden and mm -hmm. like he said stuff about Joe Biden talking about his age, which is what everyone talks about when they talk about Joe Biden. But he really didn't say anything of any substance, you know, no. like as to why he didn't like Joe Biden. Like I'm over here expecting to hear something. And, and uh, you could just see the uh, the smile on Sean Hannity's face. Uh, yes. When he was saying that stuff. And I'm, I'm one of those people. I do not care who you vote for as far as like, um, I care who you vote for, but as far as if you've got a different um, preference than me, that doesn't mean we can't be friends, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I probably, you know, won't eat certain food that you give me, you know, <laughs> if, if, you know, under the wrong circumstances, but yeah, I got no, but I just thought that that like Stephen A. Smith, um, just him in a nutshell is just kind of like, um, like I, I, I really don't understand like mm -hmm. what his end game is with all of this, you know, um, I've heard him say that he wants to move into late night television. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've heard him say that he, you know, wants to do, more news and topical stuff sometimes and he just doesn't seem like that knowledgeable on any of that stuff even on um even on sports i i really like never been a fan of stephen a smith as far as the way he delivers sports news i think he's mm -hmm. a, a bombastic personality yes. Um, I I do enjoy watching him on TV and he does wake me up in the morning when I turn it to first take. But as far as just like him as a person, like what annoys me the most about Stephen A. Smith is he is such a, and I can't think of a better term for it. Mm -hmm. Um but he's such a star fucker. Wow. Yeah. To yeah. to the point where it's like you can't really even trust his um, journalism. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like hold 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 on one minute. Yeah. Hold on one minute, Doctor Christopher Ely. Yeah, <laughs> how dare you have the unmitigated gall to sit up here and and and, and have the audacity to to be so blasphemous against this man Stephen A. Smith. You don't understand what you're doing, Chris. You're not going to like what happens when Stephen A. hears this clip, Chris. The unmitigated goal. The temerity. Some other $5 word I just read yesterday. But no, here's, here's my thing about Stephen A. And it does tie into what I was going to bring up with uh, a lot of the ESPN layoffs, which happened last week, which a lot of good people, like a lot of people that had been on the network for years and did good journalism, uh, are no longer at ESPN, man. And and I was glad, you know, just, you know, pulling back the curtain here with us, I was glad that our brother was not among that number. Oh, right, man. yeah. Because that was the first thing I thought of when I saw the layoffs. I was like, well, damn, I hope I hope the homie is okay. Because yeah, yeah. Disney is not playing with this cost cutting, and ESPN is a casualty of that. And so Stephen A. talked about the layoffs on his show, and he talked about how he got fired the first time in 09 from ESPN and 
how, you know, he he's like, you know, it could happen again. I don't think it's going to happen again because they've got so much invested mm-hmm. in Stephen A. Smith now. But it yeah. does speak to, as yeah. you said, Chris, he has bigger goals than just sports. And I think when you talk about Stephen A. SP3 as a personality, to me, he is one of the best sports personalities. Now, yeah. in terms of like the nuts and bolts, I don't think that's his job anymore. Like, I think at one point he was like a really credible reporter. Yeah. But I think ESPN doesn't want that from him anymore. They want you to be the guy that's out here barking at Mad Dog or fighting mm-hmm. with JJ Reddick and, and, you know, getting into it with, with Cowboys fans. And so I could mm-hmm. see Stephen A easily transform into somebody that wants to have a late night talk show or do something political, which I think could be kind of dangerous in a way because I don't know Stephen A's politics and I don't I don't know no. if Stephen A like well, I, it's I, I we've seen a lot of people yeah. get especially a lot of people that look like us uh-huh. kind of get tempted yeah by yeah. by the lure of that side and I'm looking at people like uh Jason Whitlock that yeah. took away any kind of credibility that brother had by running over to that other side and talking with Clay Travis and, and people of right. that ilk and I think uh-huh. That's there's good money in it. We've seen it with Candace Owens right. and people like that. There's good money to be the black person that says the thing that makes white people that don't like black people happy. Yeah, but the and thing I just with, hope that doesn't happen with Stephen A. Yeah, but the thing with that is there is a ceiling to that kind of crap mm-hmm. too. You know, I think with Stephen A. Smith because I did read his book and it was an interesting read. Uh, me talk. He goes on about all the all of his conquests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the women that he's messed around with talks about some of the um, beefs he's got in in journalists. He's, he's, he's a unabashed, unashamed capitalist. He, he, he believes that the capitalist system has worked for him and it has. Um, So I'm not, you know, that's his belief. I, 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 I can go on a rant on the, pros and cons of capitalism but i'm not going to do that but i think with with stephen a smith where he gets into dangerous territory is when when you're going on fox news mm-hmm. and you're you're blowing smoke up sean hannity's ass because you're trying to get laughs and you want those people mm-hmm. watching you on um on espn because you think it's, I, I don't know. I, I just be, because as as a, a wise man once said, Chris, yeah. conservatives buy sneakers too. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's true too. And, and and being a provocateur just to be a provocateur, yeah. I, I'm not with that. I'm not in the hot take business where I'm just spewing out hot takes just for the sake of doing it. And that's that's kind of my biggest issue with um, Stephen A. Smith nowadays. I don't. I don't think like he'll just hop on a story. He he's the kind of guy that like when um the stuff was going on with uh Jerry Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And the story didn't even have a chance to breathe, and he's automatically going on sports takes uh, a first take the next day and just like clowning anybody that yeah. siding with that saying Jerry Sandus or not Sandusky. Oh, Jesus mm. Christ, why am I thinking of that guy? Jones, like, without even reading the article, and that's the kind of stuff that I don't mm-hmm. like. You know, I, I'm like, I, I do feel like if you're going to criticize something, you need to do your due diligence and 
and and look at what you're criticizing so you can have an argument. And Stephen A. Smith just doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, I don't think, and, and I, I want to say this about about television in general, because um, I I learned this from um um uh the the CEO of Disney's wife, uh, Willow Bay. When I was uh, going, Willow to, Bay from inside the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA yeah. Inside, inside stuff. stuff yeah, uh, but what the thing is is shout like, out to Ahmad Rashad. The way television works is when you get hired on at Fox News, ESPN, uh, any of those networks, especially the news side of things. When you start the job you need to be preparing for your last day of work. Like the, you're on your first day of work, mm -hmm. you need to be preparing for your last day of work and what you're going to do next. Cause that's just how that atmosphere works. Um, and, uh, the, and the way uh, the news side of things, whether it's sports, political entertainment news is networks do not want the personality to ever be bigger than the brand. It's set up mm -hmm. like that. Like people didn't understand why Fox News fired Tucker Carlson after that um, lawsuit where they had to pay out that huge sum of money to Dominion um, for with that settlement. I understand why, because Tucker, anytime you're a personality and you start thinking that you are bigger than the brand and you start thinking that you are the brand, mm. um, they're gonna, there's gonna be somebody on top of you that's gonna remind you that you are re replaceable. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen A. Smith loved the guy. Um, he's he's replaceable too. Every there's nobody in sports media, in media period, mm -hmm. that that there's no job security in that is what I want to say. All right, like nobody is irreplaceable. Except maybe SP3. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's brother SP3. Yeah. You, you of course, just, SP3, yeah. You can't just put Pat McAfee in SP3's chair and think True Hill, he going to be good. No, nope. can't, can't do anybody that. In there. Uh, SP3, I, I, don't I don't even think they could get rid of uh, Stephen A. Smith like that. I think Stephen A. Smith is like the face of ESPN when it comes to the analysts. And I know he said, you know, he he could be next as well. I think that he has a little bit more job security than everybody else. And he needs yeah. to call his, his old friend Skip to learn how to work out a deal where he don't have to worry about that anymore. Because Skip, if the same thing was happening at Fox Sports, Skip is just sitting there like, why everybody so upset? It's like everybody, the, the house is burning and Skip is just there with a lawn chair and mm -hmm. a drink. He's like, yeah. it, it's fine as far as I'm concerned. They, they just going to clear up the walls and put up some new walls. We'll be mm -hmm. fine here. Mm -hmm. While everybody else is running around like, oh, I'm about to get fired. Skip is not worried about that because of his deal. Stephen A needs to get a similar deal so he don't have to worry about these things because he is the face of ESPN. Yeah. He's unquestionable, unquestionably the face of ESPN. I don't even yeah. think that's a debate. Um, he's, um, I, I would say he's even uh, surpassed someone like um, R.I.P. Uh, Stuart Scott, you know, who was kind of oh, yeah. yeah. the, the guy. Yeah. Stuart that, Scott was great, yeah. but he, Stuart Scott was never at the level of Stephen A. Smith where we're devoting entire chunks of the day 
Yeah. Just to you. <laughs> yes. And right. it is it's it's kind of like also the meme culture because Stephen mm-hmm. A is like a big guy when it comes to sports media that it's about the meme culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact that they put him into this stuff that he typically wouldn't have done before he got, you know, let go the first time in 2009, yeah. they would have never had him talk about the NFL. Would have never had him talk about right. MLB, but they got him doing yes. all that other stuff is because he works in that in that kind of format of what they do on first take where it still retains what it had with skip and uh steven a you know a long time ago it's not as good it's never been as good as that was and you mm-hmm. know max and steven a that was yeah. that was up and down but steven a is the the deciding factor I that's think the factor the that way they need on be, that show. And, and part of that is and and you know i'm glad you brought up max kellerman because he was somebody that was let go to mm-hmm. me max kellerman has always been like one of the best dudes to right particularly when you get him like sunk in on a topic like boxing mm-hmm. uh you know he's a guy that can go in depth on that and so i was yeah. sad to see max go but to me the reason why max and Stephen a both smart guys why they never quite gelled ray while they never quite gelled justin is because to get the maximum impact out of Stephen a you need a foil that's going right. to go there with him. And that was never Max Kellerman's game. Well, like, Max, Max yeah. is going to debate, but he's not going to be like Skip. Like Stephen A but, and Skip were like two pieces of pie. Max right. was always good at being the point person. Yeah, but He's it, the point person and he can give it off to yeah. certain people. He yeah. was great at that on Around the Horn, which he really kind of started making his name on ESPN yep. outside yeah. of boxing. And he could do that type of stuff. I mean, he's really good with that with Keyshawn and, and Jay. Jay, Jay, Jay. He's yeah, really that was good an at awesome that show. as well. But first take, that's not his style. So no. that was yeah. never going to work. Well, and then also, there, there I thought – uh, Max Kellerman's days were numbered on first take when uh, Terrell Owens got on there and he was mad at Stephen A. Smith for something and he told uh, Stephen A. that Max Kellerman is more black than you or something like that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think that uh, ever sat well with uh, right. St- Stephen A. because we, I, the, immediately after he said that, I checked the, the Twitter trends and everybody was was – was retweeting that and yeah. um, bigging up Max Kellerman and talking smack about Stephen A. Smith. And I do think that bruised his ego a mm. lot. Um, I think they kind of, that's why they bought in that idiot bum, Will Kane. Um, yeah, that's another guy, <laughs> Will Kane. Um, like even yeah. Mad Dog. Like I know Mad, shout out to Mike and the Mad Dog. Like that was a show that meant something. But I even when Mad Dog's on with Stephen A., it's kind of like, you like you like G League Skip Bayless, yeah. On this show, yes, he really is. He's, he's the Skip Bayless that didn't get off the corner. He's the Skip Bayless that didn't go to the court and get up them shots. He stayed yeah. on the quarter with the quarter waters. So, so real quick, we'll, we'll go to Ray and then Justin before we get to our wrestling. Any thoughts on Stephen A. and, and, and in Terrell's defense, though, uh, he actually did a genealogy study on Max Kellerman. Chris, I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, and, and Terrell Owens, you know, when the results came back, they were like, so what does it say about Max's uh, heritage, Justin? And T.O. just looked at the camera and said, he's a quarter black. He's oh. a quarter black. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to say he's not black. That's not fair. He's a quarter black. <laughs> uh, but but uh, Justin, real quick, any thoughts on Stephen A. and kind of the layoffs at ESPN? 
Yeah, you guys summed it up pretty well. Just real quickly, I don't want to take too much of you guys' time on this, but um, Steven has followed his career since Fox Sports, seen mm-hmm. him evolve. And like you guys were saying, I think he was a pretty good basketball journalist. I have hated how they have made him like this Howard Corsell personality because, quite frankly, mm-hmm. I don't think he knows what he's talking about with other sports, um, mm-hmm. particularly combat sports and particularly MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge mixed yes. martial arts fan, and just him – talking him just saying the letters ufc is just like ridiculous right he should just stay in his own lane just regarding that and that and to your point with with chris in terms of politics that kind of scares me if he can't like get the basics of like you know two guys fighting in a case right. correctly what can he do in terms of like more serious topics when it comes to politics so um that's my main concern but you know, I think you guys were on point. He, no one's bigger than the network, and I think he's finding that out too. I think he knows his days are numbered, quite frankly, with this talk about him being a late-night talk show host and him his new podcast. I think he's transitioning out right. of ESPN. They're seeing how somebody like Pat McAfee, he could be independent. I yeah. think he mm-hmm. wants that, and I think that's the next yeah. step for his career. Because, I mean, this is this, sometimes what networks do is they do these moves where it's made for you to fail. Yeah. Right. Mm. So I, I, well, let's, let's talk about NBC back when uh, Jay Leno got the 10 o'clock slot on 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 NBC for five mm-hmm. days a week. Um, they gave him that show. I think knowing that show was going to fail. And then Conan, Bra- Conan O'Brien, they were like they gave him the Tonight Show and they're like, well, we want to move this Tonight Show to 1205. Yeah. Conan O'Brien was like, no, this is bull crap. And then and, and they knew that Conan O'Brien was going to be like that. So they got rid of him. They knew that Jay Leno's show was not going to be long for this world. They wanted Jimmy Fallon in that spot, you know? So mm-hmm. they, they moved to do that. And I think with uh, Steve, if they give Stephen A. Smith a late night show, that show is going to flop. It is not going to do good on ABC. It could flop. Maybe if they if it was like a Tom Snyder situation mm-hmm. where it's following Jimmy Kimmel at like one a.m., it could do okay. Um, I just like in the in a prime late night spot on network television. I I just don't see mm. see that being. A, a realistic thing for us. Man, today. the Stephen A. Smith show was some of my greatest experience being there live. I used to see it live <laughs> at ESPN Zone in New York City mm. in 2005. Yeah. Talk to him. And, and, but, and, I was, and, and I was and rocking was a the... Michael Vick jersey for one of the episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they, 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 they canceled that shit so hey, Chris, bad. Chris, Chris, I feel like you're being real disrespectful right now, Chris. I am. Yes, yes I you am. wait. Like, yes, look, you wait, like, Chris, if, if, until if, the if debut episode of the Stephen them. A. Smith Late Night yeah. Show with my first guest, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> They could, they could do that. Like, I could see them if they wanted to give them, like, a, a Hulu show or yeah. um, something well, that, like That's that. the other thing, too, Chris. Like, media is so fractured now. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be a network show. It could be something on Peacock. could be something on Hulu. could be something on Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah, look at what, what Roland Martin has done with um, that's right. with YouTube. So, I mean, yep. I mean, he's got options. And I think Stephen A. Smith is an enterprising enough guy. I do – wish that if he was going to talk politics and stuff that in this and again this isn't me uh deriding joe biden it's just 
if you're gonna quit, quit riding Biden, Chris. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk smack about the guy, it's got to be something more substantive than mm-hmm. his age, you know, because right. that that has nothing to do with anything. No, especially when the guy he's gonna be running against most likely is yeah. the same age, maybe even a little bit older. Yeah, exactly. So you, we we, we want to be talking about Bidenomics, you know, what they're what they're calling it. We want to be talking about the uh, uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. We want to be talking about that stuff. We want you well versed. Speak, speaking it. of the Ukraine, my second guest after Gloria yeah. Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine, President Vladimir Yuskensky. Like that's not his name, Stephen A. Yuskensky <laughs> Zelensky. Just bring the brother on. Yeah, this Stephen A. Smith show is. I'm already. I'm. Hey, if you need a booker, Stephen A. I know we just said some things that you might not like on this podcast, but I will be your guest booker, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Ray, real quick uh, before we get re- to wrestling, uh, thoughts on Stephen A. Because I think one thing that kind of clicked into my mind as we were having this conversation is Stephen A. Actually succeeded where I think Jim Rome failed. Because if you look back like 15 years ago, this was the path Jim Rome was on. Right. Where it's like, I'm going to be the guy that is bigger than sports. I'm going to be the face of the network. I'm going to be the guy that gets all these opportunities. And he had it for like a little minute, minute. Stephen A has been able to have it for years. Hmm. And I think like he has, you know, flown where Jim Rome walked before. But but your thoughts on Stephen A. Smith and maybe his his leanings outside of the world of sports. Well, real quick, um, I know friend of the program, Bomani Jones has mentioned this before, mm. saying that Stephen A. Smith is pretty much, he's a genius when it comes to production and when it comes to entertainment and when it comes to pretty much just getting a conversation and being bombastic and having eyes on a program. And with him, I, I just believe it's more than black, more than white, more than red, more than blue. It's all about green. Mm. So I think with him, it's just, Hey, all good public or all publicity is good publicity. As long as I got eyeballs and now you're tuning in, like you saw me on Hannity. Now you're tuning in on uh, 10 o'clock in the morning at ESPN to see what other ridiculous stuff I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I think it all, it all go boils back to trying to get more people tuned in, more eyeballs and just more conversation around him. Um, I did want to touch on real quick the uh, layoffs. Yeah. And I, I think that needs to be a real big key and that people need to focus on because all the big names, the Max Kellermans, the Keyshawn Johnsons, the Jalen Roses, they're going to be all right. Yeah. But um, I just, it it's just baffles me. And I know corporations are not your friend. Your employers are not your friends, folks. <laughs> like they'll they'll get rid of you. If they could get somebody who's half your age, right. work half your salary, they're mm-hmm. going to put them in. Even but, if they're half as good. Exactly. And it, it, oh, it just. That's Chris. That's Stephen A. texting Chris right now. Yeah, that's my ESPN plus. I, I heard you, yeah. brother. I heard what you said, Chris. <laughs> but um, I really do look forward to at least what the other folks who are not as well known, even like a Jeff Van Gundy, just seeing what mm-hmm. he's going to do. Because mm-hmm. when you harken back, you were talking about Jim Rome, Nate. Um, I kind of harken back to um, Rich Eisen or Dan Patrick, who yeah, when ESPN was like the number one leader and it was like pr- pretty much no alternatives, they had to make their own path. And I mm-hmm. like how 
right now in this day and age where traditional media is kind of is kind of flattening out and more like experimental or more alternative media like podcasts, like having your own uh, blogs online, like doing stuff on social media where you can get more of a following that way as well. I feel mm-hmm. like guys like June Lee, June mm-hmm. Lee, I, I didn't know. I didn't know there were Asian American baseball fans out here. This brother is bringing in a whole new audience that I didn't realize was out yeah. there. And so I think young guys like that, and then maybe older folks like Susie Colver or Neil Everett, they're going to mm-hmm. get chances at other spots as well. So I, I, I feel like I feel bad for them and I wish them all the best. And I know that there's going to be other lanes out there yeah. for them to explore. And yeah, you, you, that you point, never right? saw that Tom Selleck movie, that baseball. Oh, you missed the baseball? Yeah. That, this that was is, a good movie, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so go but ahead. Real quick on that point, Ray. I think one of the guys that might be giving people a path, you know, in this life after ESPN is somebody like Dan Lebertard. Yeah. Because that's a brother that was opinionated. That was a brother that was bringing in voices like Bomani Jones, voices like Mm -hmm. Dominique Foxworth, you know, Mm -hmm. voices like uh, Kay Fagan. Like, let's let's talk about about, uh, Jamel Hill. And, mm-hmm. um, Jamel Hill and, and Carrie Champion, you know, and, and, right. and I think Dan was also one of the people that kind of put them on. Yeah, uh, right. like, like, I think you know, the more and it's it's a t shirt now, Ray. You know, the more Latin voices, the more black voices, the more mm-hmm. uh, female voices, the more LGBTQ plus voices that are in this space, and it doesn't have to be just coming from Fox Sports or ESPN Sports. There are other avenues to get your voice out, to get your opinions out, and so. I'm, in, I'm interested to see what this next step is for people like that because there's a lot of talented voices out there. Again, you know, we keep mentioning Bomani Jones, not just because he's a friend of the show, but because I think to me, Chris, Bo is what Stephen A is in bombast, Bo yeah. is in thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you, you can you can tell that Bomani Jones is an active listener. Um, and he watches the news and he reads a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't get that impression from Stephen A. Smith, especially these days. Like when he was covering Philly back in the day and when he was on Fox yeah. uh, Fox Sports, I thought his journalism um, was a lot better. It just seems like now. He was actually pounding the pavement back in those days. Right, yeah. Like me, like see, so what? The, when I approach wrestling um, from the journalistic standpoint, I'm not trying to be friends with everybody, you know, like I like having friends and allies and stuff like that. But if there's a story to cover, that's what, you know, I'm not, I'm not there to be, to be like, I'm very good friends with Allen Iverson, you know, like, (laughs) I don't, I don't need to say shit like that every 20 (laughs) seconds. You know what I'm, you know, it's, and it's just in, in that kind of stuff with Stephen A um, really does, as far as someone who cares about the craft of journalism, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't like that stuff, you know, and, um, but, but maybe um, that's not what ESPN wants. Well, out of and that's me. the ESPN, thing that that's yeah, a larger they, conversation about yeah. kind of the blurring of the lines of journalism. Yeah, these yeah. days, you know, yeah. and we could, we could get off on a tangent about that. But Chris, you mentioned professional wrestling and the next guest on my show, Sid, is my dear personal friend. He's the <laughs> head of the table, not eating at the table many times. We talking about Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. 
so we, we, all, we are going to spend the rest of this program uh, talking about wrestling. And, of course, we can't talk about wrestling without getting into Sid's favorite topic, I'm assuming. This Bloodline Saga that keeps on going. And and the Bloodline Saga, Sid, the last time I was on True Hill, or the, one of the last times I was on True Hill Heat, we talked about is this one of the best WWE stories of all time. And I think we both agreed that it was. But it's been going on so long that we've actually had a part where I think the saga started getting a little eh. And then they brought it back. Like uh, like any TV show, like Game of Thrones or Walking yep. Dead that's had a long run, there'll be some seasons where you're like, that, that, that wasn't it. But despite the fact that, you know, Cody Devontae Rhodes lost, which I still think – I still think you could have told this exact same story yeah. and have had Cody – win the WWE belt and then just have Roman with the universal belt on SmackDown. I think you could have still told the same story, but what we've been getting the last couple weeks, Sid, with the Usos, uh, with Jimmy and Jay, which was solo out here on these streets with the, with the, the wise man. Uh, are you still invested? Are you still plugged in, tapped in with this tribal chief story, brother? Oh, that's an easy, that's an easy. Yes. All, all I, you know, I made this look because this is the first time I'm on, I'm on something of Nate's here. Mm. And the mm. last time I was on something of Nate's is when I predicted accurately that WWE cares about the number 1,000 more than Cody finishing whatever story, more mm. than some belt that Cody saw his dad wear in a mm. picture when he was 10 years old and still pissing Man. the bed. We don't care about any of that. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the story of our people, Sid. We always got to work twice as hard, man, to get half as much. We get we get a thousand days, and the bloodline saga is even going up higher. I said I said back when we had Nate on the Drew Hill Heat flagship podcast that the bloodline storyline was in the top three all time WWE storylines. Now it's it's definitive number two. It's number two mm, behind mm. Austin and McMahon. Mm. I don't know if anything will ever surpass. Austin and McMahon, as far as how it was, you know, episodically, where episode to episode you had to watch to see what Austin would do to Vince McMahon and what it meant to the company and turning around the Monday Night Wars and saving the company and making it the, the you know, the, the business that it is today, that Austin and McMahon is going to be so hard for anything to eclipse mm -hmm. that. But to have the firmed up number two, it's like LeBron, LeBron James. This is no, it's not a hard, it's not bad thing to be number two greatest player of all time. You, that's as far as you could go. That's the peak. That's the peak right there. And I think the bloodline, they're in the LeBron Cleveland season right now. Mm, they about mm. that. They about to win this Cleveland 2016 championship at SummerSlam with Jay versus Roman three. And they could really stick the landing if they want, because Jay Uso beating Roman Reigns feels like the perfect end of the story as far as how we started. This is how we're finishing it. I don't think that's the case. I think we're going to WrestleMania 40 at the very least, and we're gonna try to do Ro try to do Roman and Cody again for some reason. <laughs> when that's not the story, guys, mm. that has nothing to do with the mm. story. And I said from the beginning, the whole no, one of the other reasons I didn't want Cody to win is because that doesn't elevate anybody. Mm. Cody mm. wins. Okay, he's gonna 
gonna be just the top baby face again. And this story needed this undisputed WWE Universal mm. Championship. If Cody beats Roman, we don't get that moment at Money in the Bank with Jay Uso being the first man to pin Roman Reigns in mm. three and a half years. We don't get it being about this uh, tribal chief and the symbol of the tribal chief, the symbol of the head of the table of the family is the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So the story does need the championship. Could the story be just as good without the championship? Yes, both things can be correct. Mm, it, mm. it does the story need the championship? Yes. Does this does this does this still this story still be good without the championship? Also, yes, mm. because it's just a very good story it is up there and roman reigns man the tears on smackdown that's why he's the one so yeah. he's the one yeah for first of all uh if, i would like to issue a formal apology on behalf of the kings of sport podcast and the kings of sport incorporated if uh cody Devonte rhodes and sister brandy are listening um i apologize for sid's comments it, it be your own people sometimes <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but Justin, you mentioned uh, before we started recording tonight that you don't often get to chop up wrestling. So uh, have at it, man. Like, what have you been your thoughts about, you know, the Bloodline story? What have been your thoughts about maybe Cody Rhodes, like, going off on his own journey? How have you been enjoying wrestling these days, man? I have to say, I agree with SP3. I think wow. he's right. I think if you so look Justin, at the this, this started. Is, this is Justin's first and last appearance <laughs> on the King of Sports. Greg, let him know. Greg let him know, Justin. Let him know. And let I, him know that, that Cody Rose is just Justin Timberlake in 2004. He's just wow. a popular white boy at the cookout. That's wow. all he is. Well, wow. I actually Ooh. think Cody Rhodes is a great draw. And actually, his history is with Seth Rollins. I think that's the storyline. When he came in, he debuted against Seth. That's hell in a cell. And I think they have unfinished business. And now that you have, you know, your new WWE World Heavyweight Championship, that's the storyline, in my opinion. I think with Roman, you have to look at when this bloodline first started. It started during a pandemic. It started with him um, coming in. I think he, you know, came in, beat Bray Wyatt. You know, he beat Braun Strowman. And then it started from there. You see just the organic storytelling moments in terms of building Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, then introducing Solo, that's where it will end. I think my question is if Jay Uso does win the title, is he a draw to be the main mm. star of the WWE? I don't think so. Right. Uh, that's the main my hesitation. I think that's where the argument goes to um, having Cody win or even Sami Zayn back in Montreal earlier this year. I think that's a valid um, storyline option to go to picking those baby faces over a Jay Uso because, you know, it's all good to finish the storyline, but what happens after that? And we've seen right. baby faces struggle, especially in WWE when they win their first championship. And I think Jay Uso would be no different. And that, that's my that's my hesitation. And, and to, to, to that point, Jay, though, Justin, yeah. like I, I don't think, and this is where I'll push back on SP3 a little bit. Like yeah. I don't think, like, I think Jay Uso will get this victory over Roman at some point. I don't think the title needs to be involved because to me, the bigger story is I beat the tribal chief. Not that I am Jay Uso world champion, because again, like you said, I don't know. I don't know the legs on Jay Uso as world champion. And I like Jay. Like I like, I like all the guys involved in this storyline, but I don't know. Once, once you remove Roman from the equation, does he lose all that heat? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's basically, 
I fear with Jey Uso, if he's the guy to beat Roman Reigns, we're just going to get a Kofi Kingston WWE Championship mm-hmm. ring, where everyone really remembers how great and how amazing the match with Brian Danielson was yep. at WrestleMania 35. Remember how you felt in the moment of seeing Kofi Kingston win the WWE Championship, and we just bottle that. And we try to ignore the fact that it was six of the most boring months mm. afterwards mm-hmm. where he was in mid-card feuds with Dolph Ziggler mm. and Samoa Joe and mm. rehashing a feud with Do- with Randy Orton that had a dumb finish at mm. SummerSlam that year. Like, they never made him the spotlight. They never right. made him the yeah. important storyline, not even on his own show of SmackDown. Like, it was ridiculous. It was just, it was really ridiculous and sad. I don't want that to happen to Jey Uso. And I don't, I didn't want that to happen to Cody Rhodes because, yeah, you could say, oh, Cody wins at WrestleMania. Oh, then you have the the Brock Lesnar feud. This Brock Lesnar feud hasn't set the world on fire, folks. And adding a championship, I don't think it would have, it would have set the world on fire either. It just feels like the right type of feud for Cody to have to rebound after the loss at WrestleMania. And maybe in a year from now, six months from now, we're saying, yeah, Cody is still the guy. Let's go to him. And I could see them running it back where he's number one in the Royal Rumble this year. And and Gunther is number 30 in January next year. And that's how you close out the Rumble two years straight. And Cody wins again and then goes on to WrestleMania. And then it means something because he actually had the chase. Mm. He had some Mm. adversity heading Mm. in. That was my whole issue with with this year is that it felt too like a red carpet to WrestleMania for Cody Rhodes. Mm. Like I said, got to work twice as hard to get half as much. We we see you, Cody. We know the struggle. We know the struggle. Uh, it's like like Eminem in two thousand, man. He's just a popular white boy at the cookout. Mm-hmm. Look, look. I would say if anything, Cody Rhodes is Austin Reeves on these streets, man. He's him. <laughs> you you want don't see disrespect this him. Do don't disrespect him. Uh, uh, Ray. Rookie Ray, any thoughts on the Bloodline story? And uh, as a side tangent to that, any thoughts on what they've been doing with Cody over on Raw or even with Seth over on Raw? Your your current thoughts about the WWE product? Well, first of all, um, Sid, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad I finally get to talk with you and be on the same program. Just hearing you uh, in previous appearances, you've just been killing it, man. Um, this is also yeah, last appearance on the program. <laughs> like I, I can, I could take so much, sir. I know you're going off on Cody, but how mm. dare you slander Samoa Joe? You Ooh. will not do not on my watch, sir. Calling him just a mid card talent. He's the uncrowned champion. I, I, I didn't call him mid card talent. I said the feud he had with Kofi was mid card, not because of any photo either of them. I think I think a better comparison would have been like. Cody, Kofi had some good matches in that run. Ron Simmons, when he won the world Damn. title, uh, was was a horrible world title reign. Yeah, um, and I I remember that vividly. He did that he brother was, dirty. He was fighting the Barbarian and Tony Atlas oh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> people like that. I mean, Paul on these streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. But yeah. Um, Go ahead and finish, Ray. I'm yeah, sorry. No problem. But but 
let's give let's give him a pass though. That was like beginning TNA. Let's give that a, a little bit of a pass. <laughs> Even though I know Nate, you you a TNA stand, but yeah, that's beginning TNA. But um, I mean, look, we can we can spend all night talking about Ace and Ace if that's what y'all really want to do. <laughs> y'all really want to get grimy like that. Immortal 10, 10, 10. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, did Rookie Ray get muted? You still there, Ray? That 10-day that contract just ran out. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah. We hear you. All right. Sorry. Yeah, my we we traded Ray for Patty Mills. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make some cap moves, brother. <laughs> but what I was saying, um, I think, and I know, You've mentioned this before in um, previous episodes and on other shows, Chris. I know you're kind of indifferent to the uh, Bloodline storyline. I think it's just been some of the most captivating television. And I know, Sid, you mentioned it being just shy of uh, McMahon versus Austin. But I just think, like, McMahon versus Austin, like, that was in my teenage years. Just a lot of mm. teenage angst and rebelling against authority. But man, this storyline right here, like touches, like it, it really, the, the thirty plus in me, brothers. Mm. I, I, I don't know, man. It, I'm like Ric Flair with tears in my eyes, just seeing like all the <laughs> twists and turns, bro, and just like just seeing Jimmy do the super kick on Roman, and then Jay, like I'm out too. It's like it's just been, yeah. it's just been keeping me invested and again like you've been saying chris like i haven't been watching full episodes of raw or smackdown i keep up with it through quick blurbs on like instagram and on mm -hmm. youtube as well and this has just been the this has been the main reason why i even dvr the show is like well let me see if i need to rewatch what Damn. roman and what the bloodline are doing you just fast um, forward and through pretty deadly that's that's how you living right <laughs> Pretty much, they're entertaining though. But uh, I, I can't even lie; the, the, the dudes, the dudes is funny, and they make me laugh. <laughs> but um, the big thing that I want to see is, and I know it's a long time between now and SummerSlam. Plus, you got summer, uh, like it ain't that series. long till SummerSlam. But but between SummerSlam and WrestleMania, though, like you still got Survivor Series in the middle. You still got uh. Royal Rumble in the middle. I, I really want to see, like, how are they going to play this out with Jay? I don't mind Jay winning the title. And mm. then, like, even though it may be, like, a three- or four-month reign, and then maybe Roman, who knows if he comes back as a babyface, who knows if he comes back even more dastardly as a heel, and now he's like, my back's against the wall, my family is against me, now everyone must pay. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be intriguing to see maybe how that plays out, and maybe within that run, like, it could be, it could, it, it doesn't have to be 800, 1,000 days for it to be a memorable reign, I think, for Jimmy. Like, you could have a run in there where maybe, or for Jay, you could have a run in there where maybe Jimmy challenges him for the belt. And now you got brother versus brother, maybe at like Survivor Series or something. And so I think you could still make it memorable without Roman. And then you could bring back Roman and then maybe <clears throat> pick up that storyline back up with Cody. As far as Cody is concerned, um, they're just doing busy work with him. And, and I get it. You know, 
not every story is going to end out in one pretty little bow. Maybe you got to write multiple books like Chris Jericho, mm. but <laughs> you can mm. have, you can still end this story in another way and or in another fashion, or you can end it how you want it to. Like, like you said, Nate, sometimes we got to work twice. It's hard to get mm. half as far, brother. Talk to him, right? So um, I just feel like Devonte. He will rise again. Mm. Uh, Juneteenth just passed, and we missed out on that. But you will rise again, Brother Cody. Um, but I feel like, and I know you mentioned it, Nate. Um, as far as the World Heavyweight Championship and Seth is concerned, I don't know. We did have Money in the Bank just passed, uh, where Damian Priest became senior money of the blank <laughs> racism um <laughs> why why he gotta be senior uh, okay you, just because you puerto rican you don't have to say this brother um <laughs> it's it's wwe i wrote a whole article on this man he, he's got to do that because he's puerto rican mm-hmm. but i think i think that's pretty much going to be the most intriguing thing is what happens with uh, Judgment Day, what happens with Damian Priest and mm-hmm. the World Heavyweight Championship. I think if that briefcase is cash, it won't be on Roman. And then that could be another that could be another wrinkle that you throw in if Jay wins the championship. Mm. Right. So I'm 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 just gonna say, I'm just gonna tell you spoiler alert, because you know, I I know I'm gonna be like Stephen A. Smith. I know it's people not, who work for WWE. Uh, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. <laughs> Roman Reigns going to be WWE Undisputed Universal Champion going into WrestleMania 40. We can talk all, <laughs> we can go, talk all day long and speculate about Jey Uso possibly winning. He beat him at Money in the Bank. He can do it now. Roman Reigns going to beat him. It's yeah. going to happen again. Yeah. I'm going to be here smiling because I'm counting down the days. He done has Pedro Morales. Next up is Bob Backlund. We're about to get him out of here. <laughs> and he's out of here too because Bob Backlund's reign didn't even last as long as the record books say because Antonio Inoki beat him in Japan. Mm. And then he just won the title back and they just mm. counted it as one reign, which doesn't make any sense, WWE. <laughs> like most of your storylines, that ain't the bloodline. Mm. I talked well, all they, good they, about they, WWE for long yeah. enough, man. Nothing makes sense. What happened to the women's division? This well, supposed they, to be the women's evolution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they don't talk about a million-dollar man's title reign, too, even though it did happen. <laughs> hey, you know? hey million-dollar man, million man did not beat anybody. Antonio Inoki beat Bob Backlund. Yeah, but, but million they... Dollar man, million dollar man slipped, slipped, uh, slipped Andre a mil, mm. uh, what was it? A yeah. hundred dollar bill or something like that? <laughs> yeah. That was enough. That was enough. I mean, yeah. those the, the 80s prices, man. 80s prices. Right. Yeah, it's 80s prices. A hundred dollars back then is like a hundred million dollars today, I guess. Yeah. Inflation. <laughs> Inflation. Uh, Chris, any any thoughts on, on uh, the bloodline? Any thoughts on current WWE, maybe even your favorite show, NXT 2.0. No, I'll talk about the Roman Reigns stuff. Um, I'm trying to. So here's the problem with number two mm-hmm. is it's always debatable. That's the problem with number two. I will say this about Roman Reigns is this bloodline shit. It is um, on the books right now. It is the most successful 
storyline WWE has ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. This is a fact. I don't know if it's been adjusted for inflation, but as it stands right now, unadjusted for inflation, it's the most successful storyline WWE has ever had. It's the biggest storyline they've ever done ever probably but i don't put it at number two um i don't even put it at number three okay. maybe four i put macho man hogan at number two mm. um, okay. I, okay. I just remember every single day of that and just how terrible with that lust in his yeah, ass and, and how crazier <laughs> and crazier and crazier macho man got from the day he won the title at wrestlemania for this dude started going ballistic and it was subtle in the beginning mm-hmm. but then by the time they wrestled at wrestlemania 5 he was a full-on lunatic man um i just and, and, and those those memories are just so etched into me mm-hmm. um so but i digress um i do like the moments in the bloodline storyline mm-hmm. i think they've got a series of moments um I am ready for this shit to be over. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was just, I was just waiting for that. I was just yeah. waiting for that. I, 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 Chris I, said, like this, like in game, except if in game was six hours long. Yes, this is, this is, this is. I, my, I don't have this kind of attention span. I, I like the wrinkle that they put in it with uh, Jay Uso, and I like the Usos kicking them in the face different weeks. Um, if I had my way, Jay would win at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. have a title run, and they'd give him a meaningful push, and that'd be the end of this stuff. And then he loses the solo, and we'll keep the story going. Yes, and we and yeah, and it just it'd be as the world turns, right? But this isn't what they're gonna do. I am gonna be in Philadelphia next year. Uh-oh. I'm I'm I've got I'm sure Sid is only a couple hours away from. New York, yeah. so I'll I'll see you there. Um, I'll probably see Nate there and Andrew and John and Way and all the East Coasters that. And you go see Roman Reigns versus Cody oh, Rhodes too. Yeah, well, well, I'm not I'm not going to the actual WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to but- the. Events. Chris said uh, he just gonna be yeah, out there for campaigning yeah, and champagne. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm there for the networking parties. No, but I gotta argue <laughs> yeah. this. Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Okay, Uh-oh. you could say you could say it's your 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 number two favorite WWE storyline. But the reason why it the one and two, I think unquestionably now is Austin McMahon or the Bloodline storyline is exactly what you said before that. These are the two most successful storylines ever. Yeah, one but saved that, but the company. One saved the company and uh, made them win the war with WCW. And the other is setting record box office, whether it's in live attendance, whether it's in merch, whether mm. it's for a SmackDown, whether it's for a Raw, whether it's for a pay-per-view, whether it's in the ratings. It does not matter what they do. They are just hitting on all cylinders yeah, with but this storyline. Nothing- Plus... Plus, Uh-oh. you have these guys doing doing movie award winning acting work with Roman mm. Reigns. Roman Reigns is trying out for for The Rock's next movie role with breaking down into tears Black in Adam Madison too. Square Garden. 
to make that segment memorable. He was like, I'm going to break down in tears because I'm a better actor than Dwayne. I'm yes. a better actor. I ain't never seen Dwayne get the tears like that popping. Yeah. I only but, seen him do the Cody Rhodes cry. Of, you you, you <laughs> obviously have not seen the Gridiron Gang. Nothing I has mean, been... Go ahead, go ahead. I, Nothing I, 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 has I, been a... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, those, that's why it's one and two. I, I think everything else you can kind of debate and you could put it anywhere. Yeah. You could put Macho Man Hulk Hogan number three. I have at number three HBK and Chris Jericho. I think that, mm. that is probably like the most, the best. As far as like week to week to week, that mm. was what the one of the storylines that I remember most from WWE. Another one was Triple H and Batista. The evolution breakdown yeah. from 2004 thumbs into up, WrestleMania 21, all but, those moments. And then I would get to Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. And nah, that's bullshit, and, man. Hulk Hogan and Macho, <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. HBK and Jericho behind yep. Hogan and Macho Man. This is, yep. this is the problem with all this draw and stuff. Nobody uh -oh. adjusts anything for inflation. Mm. No one does that. Mm. It's like we... WWE is a publicly traded company now. Get into the numbers. They were not. They were not publicly traded when Macho Man and Hogan. They were. You still had half the audience around WrestleMania four, WrestleMania five, who watched WWE live events, pay per views on closed circuit. Yeah. This is like at the very infant stages of pay per view. So you can't. You can call Roman Reigns the most successful WWE champion of all time and it will be true from a sheer number standpoint but once you start it's just like with the top 100 films of all time when you adjust for inflation mm. the number one film of all time is going to be something like gone with the wind mm -hmm. or something something like that so I don't I think that like if you're looking at it from, I feel like Chris is taking a shot at Super Mario Brothers for no reason right now <laughs> I, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, so, and then, and then, as far as, um, like, the um, the, if you if you wanted to talk about HBK and um, I Jericho. thought I thought HBK's feud with Marty Janetti Damn. better than Damn. what HBK. Oh, did. you're bugging! Now you're no, not bugging through the barbershop window. Kicked him, kicked him through the window. At the barbershop, the second best heel turn in wrestling. Okay, of, what happened after? They had two great matches. What other moments did it have? I can it name just, multiple it, it moments. It made Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is what it did. Multiple moments that have been replayed multiple times from the Shawn Michaels Chris Jericho feud from 2008. Him getting thrown into the Jeratron. Him mm -hmm. busting open his eye. Him punching Sean's mom. Uh, Sean's wife. Wife, yeah. I whisper. Thought, I was about to say mom, but yeah, Sean's <laughs> wife. Um, Put Sean's wife in the mouth. The the matchup at Unforgiven, where he got the referee stoppage in the unsanctioned match. The ladder match, one of the greatest ladder matches mm. in WWE history. Regardless all of Marty Janetti and and Shawn Michaels, all great this matches, stuff. None, they, none of their matches is as remembered as Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels from No Mercy. You about Shawn Michaels and uh, HBK. I forgot about right Damn. after it happened. Damn. Uh, Damn. I just, it, it's, it was a good feud. It was important. Damn. 
I remember. I mean, that that's like that's like me at five years old saying, "Oh, exactly. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage." They just had a but then, but, but here's, here's the thing. Like if, if congratulations. You, if you want to be real, if you want to be one hundred percent real, mm-hmm. we could go from WrestleMania four when the Macho Man was was starting to turn into a face after he lost that tournament to JYD. He gets into the, the the WrestleMania tournament, wins the title, loses it to title the title at WrestleMania um, five. At WrestleMania six, him and Elizabeth are still beefing, and <laughs> he um, has that stupid tag match. So that's they're not, till- that's not hopeful. Let, let, let me finish. <laughs> I allowed you to finish. That's, so, that's Macho Man's character arc. That's not. No, that's not so, a feud. So you saying it's that, the Macho Saga? No. Yeah. It is a feud. It's, it's, it's a feud. It's a feud between. That's like saying, oh, you know, Lakers, Lakers and Celtics is the greatest sports rivalry ever. The Lakers beat Orlando Magic in two. What does that have to do with the Lakers and the Celtics? It's long term booking. It's long term booking. If you were at WrestleMania seven, which I was, Mm -hmm. I saw middle aged white women crying, (laughs) literally (laughs) crying tears when Macho Man. And Elizabeth mm. reunited. Mm. It was insane. Then white women was touched, Sid. They were like, yes, you are going back to your abuser, <laughs> Elizabeth. We are happy for you. <laughs> right. And then it culminated at the SummerSlam that year when he, he proposed on Superstars, all that stuff. That's <laughs> not the Macho Man. I let you finish and you still have not gone. You you ended you, your you're, you, 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 you lost in all life. credibility you, when you put HBK you have you have said H- nothing. You literally have H- said H- nothing H- to negate Jericho. You have said <laughs> you have said nothing to negate HBK and Jericho. While you were able it to explain, you were able to explain. You were able to explain a whole year storyline. Macho Man was good for that whole mm. the Macho mm. Man Hogan era. Mm. Okay, okay. Explain the moments, though. Like I did. You wanted me to build my case, and I gave you all the moments. You gave us no moments. You said Macho Man wins the title at at WrestleMania 4. The white women said they was crying. And then you tried to put the whole Macho Man versus Elizabeth into this. The Survivor Series where they teamed up and fought. The Mega Powers Unite. Yeah, the it was the Survivor Series where they fought um um uh Co- not Coco B Coco Beware was on their team, but the Survivor Series where they fought um the Twin Towers and all mm. them, that was a big thing. Um and then the all the SummerSlam stuff going on in between that, the Zeus crap. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, tiny they're all that was trash. You have said nothing but trash that they were <laughs> involved in. They had, hey, R.I.P. the tiny they had, they had matches with the one man gang as a team and Big Boss Man. 
who's gaining weight at the minute the at that point, dream. and you're up here saying this. Oh yeah, those those are memorable moments. You're Which saying you, lots. You, 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 you can't even say the moment. You memorable moment. You can't even say the moment. You you're not. You haven't said any moments. With the moment that said. you said, you literally said stuff that everybody, no one on this call except for you, remembers it. Nobody. Uh, and it this, does not matter. At least it does matter. No one agreed with you and said, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I remember that Survivor Series, man. Yeah, I watch so, it every day. So Mega Powers so versus That is our impasse then. Yeah, because this right here. Agreeing with me. This is already like like <laughs> you, you can have Skip and Shannon, you can have Stephen A and Mad Dog, you can have Acho and and LaShawn McCoy for whatever reason. <laughs> they ain't got nothing on Chris and SP3 tonight, fellas. <laughs> These brothers is talking about white women being drawn to emotions <laughs> by abusive abusive relationships on a wrestling program. That has nothing to do with the feud that he was talking about. Uh, it has everything to do with the feud no, I was talking about. Real quick, real quick. The uh, center of that feud was Elizabeth. So, so he's saying it's the Elizabeth saga. Uh, said you got to see the picture. Um, the Elizabeth it has saga. nothing to do with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man <laughs> and a year's <laughs> worth of storyline that we No, no, SP3. I think the, the biggest that, thing that out of all of this, this is the most, this is the most Professor Chris Ely has defended <laughs> Terry Bollea. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever. <laughs> it, it happened, folks. Amazing moment in history. Uh, but real quick, because I know we 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 running a little bit long tonight. Uh, Justin, before we let you go, I know you said you don't get a lot of time to talk about wrestling. We talked to the WWE. Any thoughts on AEW and what they've been doing lately? Obviously, they launched a new show in Collision. Um, you know, Forbidden Door was a few uh, weeks ago. They've got a big summer still ahead of them. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the current output from uh, TK and them boys in AEW? Yeah, I can go on this forever, but I just to uh, keep it short, um, this this past weekend on Collision, wasn't a fan of Joe versus Punk in terms of the buildup. I just mm. think they did a horrible job with that. Mm. I, I heard uh, Way and John talk about the video they put together. I thought that was unsatisfactory. I, <laughs> to me, if you look at the AEW audience. You know, that rivalry is very important. And to new viewers that are watching that for the first time that may not know about that match, it just made it, I don't know, if you're, in my opinion, if you're a new viewer just watching that, you're like, yeah, they wrestled back in the, you know, early 2000s in some, some like warehouse. Whoopsie do. Like that, that rivalry was like the biggest rivalry in independent wrestling history. One of the three greatest matches, I would say, in the last 20 so years. So many middle aged white women were brought to tears <laughs> through that rivalry. Right. <laughs> um, right. And yeah, I just feel they just dropped the ball on it. Overall, yeah. I think with AEW, I like watching it every week. I think overall, the show's really good. I just feel like they just put together matches with no build. And I just think they, they just really hurt themselves. I think even if you go to the Vikingo Kenny Omega match that was built on Twitter, I just felt like you could have built Vikingo a lot more. You could have built, I remember when they did um, Suzuki and Brian Danielson. And that was on Dark, <laughs> that was on YouTube. Right. So to me, you have these dream matches, and I just don't think they add the, the build as they deserve. And I think that hurts them in terms of the ratings. Um, but I'm excited about All In, excited about All Out. I think those are huge events. And, you know, I think this whole thing, 
looking into their ratings, at least on Dynamite, I think that's overblown. But I think on Collision, that's an issue. I mean, we're in summertime. There's not that many, there's not that many sporting events going on on a Saturday. But when you get into September, October, yeah. you got tons of things you want to do. Let alone going out. College football. Yeah, I mean, I am super worried about like their their ratings, and I'm not one of these people that really think you have to live or die on the dynamite rating every single week but yeah. it kind of is what it is in terms of what you said nate with college football um you take a look at just any other big events that are happening on a saturday night not to mention just when the you know, nfl starts doing yeah. playoff games on saturday nights if collision is still on saturday oh that's boy. A wrap. <laughs> right, that's, yeah that's what i was saying this yeah. to sid the other day um yeah. on his show i was like um what like um why don't they just asked the Turner execs to put them on Thursday because I don't think they could avoid at this Agreed. point. I don't think they can avoid competing with the NFL. Mm-hmm. I know Tony Khan doesn't want to do that, but what happens when the Saturday games start in the, um, you know, late, late winter, you know, those yep. th- that's going to be an issue. You know, I think, I think my whole thing with AEW um, at the moment, I thought, I didn't I didn't love the build to Samoa Joe and um CM Punk, but I, I mean I it's a Saturday show, so I, I you know I gave them some leeway. I thought the match was 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 um decent. I dare I say I thought the match was good. Mm. I think the story is gonna be told um on the ratings for this week's uh collision. Um it's gonna be hard because I think it's gonna be easier to quantify. Because they did mention that match on television a few times. They, they did. did. They, they they did mention it. So if the ratings are garbage, um, then I think they need to um, readjust their thinking on Collision, and um, they they got to do something to to get people um, watching it. Like I'm not doing it. Like it's early here on Saturday when it comes on, so I don't have to mm-hmm. do date night with the wife until collision goes off but i know east coasters you know the party starts a little earlier out there you know yeah um and i I think for me sid like aew is at a point where they're established now right like they're not this fledgling company that they were three years ago like Mm -hmm. they're established but it's also like now becomes the hard part right like you thought it was hard to get to this point and it was a journey but now that you're here, how do we improve? How do we bring in new viewers? How do we get our shows to feel like events? And I think they do a good job of that with the pay-per-views. But in terms of the week-to-week television, Sid, like it's it's all good, right? Like the wrestling is still good. Uh, some of the character work is still good. But I don't know if they're spreading themselves a little too thin with Dynamite and then back-to-back nights of rampage and collision and it's like oh yeah like i mean how how do you see things currently uh, in aw uh i know like to me i think they can't be the company that's always looking for this hook of who's gonna show up right like that's yeah. part of wrestling but that trick gets old fast you know and I, like as much as i'd love to see you know coda show up one week like that's got a short shelf life in terms of how long can we prolong this enthusiasm and this excitement? Like even with Punk coming back on Collision, I think that's starting to dissipate a little, Sid. So, what are your thoughts on the current state of uh, AEW and uh, 
where they are and where they could go? Well, as far as like the returns and debuts, that's something that kind of wrestling has been about since the Monday Night Wars. Uh, since the Monday Night Wars with Lex Luger, since Lex Luger showed up, up in a puffy up, Seinfeld shirt, yeah, popping up in the in a white shirt, like he was in a Romeo, a Romeo and Juliet skit. Yeah, ever since then, it's been all about returns and debuts. WWE has lived off it for the longest time. Somebody gets injured, it's like, oh, we got a hook for the next couple of shows. This person could be coming back at this show and this show. We're going to make them come back on a Monday Night Raw. So I think that's something that they're never going to really lose because WWE has never really lost it because yeah. someone's going to get injured. Someone yeah. you're going to have to take off a of TV for a while so you can get that, that pop or that, oh, this person is back. You can get it at any yeah. time. I think I it's think, baked in the wrestling sit, but I don't think you can like that. Can't be your go-to every time. And I, and I think they've I got gone a big away. surprise I, I coming. They've, up. Gone, they've gone away from that since mm -hmm. since last year. Okay. Now they go off of the whole Tony Khan announcement announcement, thing, yeah, which they were doing doing for a while there. As far as AEW this year, I feel much better about AEW this year than okay. I did last yeah. year. I, I think last year is where I saw a lot of the problems pop yeah, off for AEW yeah. um, was last year more than this year. I think okay. this year yeah. we've had some we've had probably two of the top five, top six AEW pay-per-views of all time mm, with Forbidden Door that right. just passed and AEW Revolution earlier this year with Brian and MJF. I think Kenny Omega is once again one of the, the greatest wrestlers of all time, and he's proven that this year. When you look at his catalog of matches, his resume, just at AEW alone, not even counting the Wrestle Kingdom 17 match with Will Ospreay. He's got the Ospreay match at Forbidden Door, the five stars with Vikingo, mm -hmm. the uh, trios game seven with Death Triangle ver with versus the Elite, the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, Anarchy in the Arena. Probably going to get another one with his uh, Blood and Guts match coming up in July. He's got Kanosuke Takeshita coming up in a singles match. Kenny Omega is the wrestler of the year. So yeah, I think we I mean, after, after that Sting, guy, of course, mm -hmm. after Sting. I mean, when you got when you got Kenny Omega and Sting, uh, like, you don't you don't need too much it's, else it's, after it's that. A, it's a grandpa but, here jumping off ladders. Like, come on, dog. Scary bump. As as far as collision, they have to create an identity, and that, right, that right. takes that takes yeah. what like I say more after like right. ten weeks more than what we can say. And, and yeah. identity besides being the, the, the in-school suspension of AEW. Yes, yes. Right. Besides being in-school suspensions, yeah. besides being the longest yard of professional wrestling, <laughs> uh, they, no, they don't need to do any anything else besides that. But they've been doing little things, like, you know, having Nigel and Kevin Kelly on the commentary yeah. team. I, I do like it, that combination. And I, I do like that they do keep certain wrestlers on collision yeah and not mm -hmm. on wednesday i think that's smart i think that um if i want to watch cm punk i need to be watching collision if i want to watch ftr i need to watch collision if mm -hmm. i want to watch starks i watch collision i i definitely think that's a good thing and i think that sid is right as well as far as rome wasn't built in a day um yeah. and, and you gotta kind of be patient with this Mm -hmm. You gotta understand that you're on Saturday night, and that's it. Just is what it is. Saturday night's ratings are good, unless you give people um, a reason to stay home. Like 
I was saying to Sid yesterday and uh, Chrissy on their show, um, you have to give people a reason to feel like when they went out and did whatever they did, Mm -hmm. they missed something. They missed something that they should have been home to watch. Right. And I think that Samoa Joe and CM Punk match is a good start. You know, I think you need you need to have things like that where it's mm-hmm. like, man, that ma- they had an awesome tag match too yesterday. Oh, I, I was I was gonna bring that up the the yeah. FTR and Bullet Club Gold because what they're doing yeah. on Collision even after four weeks is they're basically tearing off their feuds where they have potentially Mm, mm -hmm. they have a whole bunch of matches that they can potentially main event shows with because you got Joe and Punk that's going to continue after last night with the post match. You got FTR and you know Bullet Club Gold which that was a tremendous matchup. I think that was the best collision match so far. Just Mm -hmm. a little bit better than Andrade versus Buddy Matthews which was amazing Mm. on that first week. I think this match was even better because everybody was firing on all cylinders and collision has been you're already seeing kind of the fruits of the labor of of collision where people said okay there's going to be an opportunity for this bloated roster that tony khan has to deal with he gets to highlight more people with collision and we've already seen that with switchplay jay white switchplay jay white automatically feels like a bigger star now he Mm -hmm. him and juice robinson have created this cool chemistry where Mm -hmm. they're kind of like like you know villains in a b uh b movie and you got (laughs) juice who's loud and abrasive and crazy and you got switchblade who's just menacing but he's also cool and charismatic Mm -hmm. and they just have made this great chemistry with one another because of how long they've known each other and then ftr are just amazing tag team wrestlers and they just created this fantastic matchup that people are going to remember and now they ftr has an opportunity to redo the two out of three falls match the legendary one they had with diy back in canada against jay white and juice robinson Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think they mesh so well with those guys because there's a lot of old school to them juice robinson is just his promos are macho man randy savage but his in-ring work is more more akin to like a billy gun back in the 90s -hmm, and mm -hmm. switchblade jay white is basically this generation's evolution of the great heel wrestlers of the past what triple h was for his generation what rick flair was for his what harley race was for his the new generation the new evolution is switchblade jay white he just paces his matches so well he knows when to cut off the babyface whether it's a tag team match whether it's the babyface comeback he does these great counters at the right time and he's just shining as a top star on collision so more of that and less of the the bs and i don't need a lot of squash matches with julia hart on my show and mm. i think they're they're finding the right formula for collision but aew like i said i've been doing a lot of things right mm. they've also been doing a lot of things wrong i think the women's mm. division still needs to do some work they mm. they need to find a way to somehow solve the tnt championship but collision's doing that with the mm-hmm. whole christian cage yeah. christian cage thing so they're doing that but also you know if, if it's not kenny omega wrestler of the year i think you could make an argument for rh cassidy rh cassidy yeah, he's a good run has, he's been killing it as the workhorse champion as they did they did they give did um pwi give it to roman reigns last year or mm, I, I don't do i don't I'm sorry, I don't do. I don't deal with PWI. I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> I'm asking for you know. 
for the the one that I think matters the most because it comes from like the fans and it's just the general feeling. I usually go off of Wrestling Observer newsletter right. wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that well, was well, well, that was John Moxley. I think yeah. PWI. Yeah, they probably they they gave it to the fucking Miz. One year, so they, they lost all credibility. Exactly. The, the only thing we rocking with is, is yeah. the BW five hundred, like it's red. Yeah, and then they, and then they, um, somebody did an interview with them, and the guy, the the, the editor said, "Yeah, we did this to bring eyes to the magazine." Like that's not journalism. Controversy dick. creates cash. Yeah, Chris. I, I, I hated that, but yeah, anyway, I digress. <laughs> I think a good point, uh, when we'll swing it to Ray here real quick, uh, that Sid brought up is with Collision, you do have an opportunity for you know people to get more exposure. And I, I know uh, Ray is, is really high on all the exposure QTV's been getting lately because uh, Ray wow. is a, a Marshall maniac out here on these streets for that man, QT Marshall. So uh, other than QT Marshall, because we don't have enough time tonight to get into your fandom, Ray. Uh, let the people know what you've been thinking about AEW as of late. Well, first of all, the only thing for QTV that I have in my mind is that girl Harley. Hey, hey, if Anthony Bowens don't watch it, I'm available, baby. Just, just call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> this man out here but, shooting shots on the 10 day contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, do you play or do you yeah, play? The, the, <laughs> But um, the biggest thing, and I know I've been trying to tune into some of the shows that uh, John and Brandon Thurston have been uh, mm -hmm. talking about with the, the ratings and stuff. I just think that um, I think that trying to build like Chris was talking about, trying to have those matches where you say, oh, I can't miss it. Like something when you're talking about with Dynamite, whether it be like a Vikingo versus Kenny Omega, whether it be mm -hmm. a Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in a steel cage, like those bring yeah. viewers, those brings eyeballs to the table. And so I think even though for the hardcores, a Samoa Joe versus CM Punk 4 is going to bring the hardcores in, mm -hmm. it's like, how are you bringing either the mainstream or the casual viewer that maybe mm -hmm. might peek in the dynamite every once in a mile? How are you going to bring them over to Saturdays? And I, I just think, I, I don't know, like like you were saying, Nate, I think CM Punk is just going to be like the law of diminishing returns unless you either get the elite in there or mm. you have CM Punk working towards that championship, uh, that championship match in which he never lost against MJF. And so it's got to be, you got to put him in like, you got to put him in storylines that actually have some weight to him mm -hmm. because I think him just, and I know he's probably getting his strength back with the injury, him coming mm -hmm. off the injury. But yeah. I, I just think like time is ticking, especially with him in his mid forties. Like you got to pull the trigger. Like you got the heat right there with the young bucks or with um, Kenny Omega or with uh, Adam, Adam page. Like, you gotta strike while the iron is hot, and for them to kind of like what SP3 or I think it was Justin was saying, how you're kind of spreading that roster a bit thin. It's like mm -hmm. you gotta start mixing these things up so that you can make these shows, these collision shows, more uh, more uh, consequential. 
Mm. And by the way, I prefer Triple H over HB or Triple H and HBK over HBK and Jericho. But that's not the Ooh, Ray. Ray <laughs> jumping into the Ray. Ray like that's a NBA. that's a that's a better shout than Hogan and Savage. <laughs> Ray, I bet like you. I NBA. bet you can come up with more moments than Christian. No, 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 like no, no, no. I came up with moments. No, no, no. Ray's like the NBA player after the fight's been 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 cooled down. He want to hop in and throw the punch from behind. I was ready to let this thing go. Look what you did, right? Because the thing with the, the Hogan and Macho Man thing, it spilled over into other stuff. The Elizabeth the blood, Saga the, scene. The, 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 the Elizabeth blood, Saga. The bloodline stuff. Y'all are laughing. That Elizabeth. Who? Who ever? He's like. He's like. He's like. He's like. Y'all. Yo. I know. I know. Endgame was really good. But you gotta watch WandaVision to make sure that damn, you follow damn. up. Don't, don't let him do you like that. Yeah, yeah, Chris. you're called you're calling Elizabeth WandaVision now. Don't yes. let him do you that, are, Chris. You are disrespecting yes. the memory of Elizabeth. Don't Hewitt. let him do that. That is ridiculous. <laughs> oh my, that oh is my disrespecting her memory. You're, you're disrespecting the memory of Elizabeth comparing her to Wanda fucking Vision. Damn. <laughs> but but you're damn. talking about the movie after the blow-off. That's what I'm trying to say. You're talking about what happened after the blow-off. You no, said I'm talking Hogan about and Savage. I'm, you when, said Hogan and Chad when Savage. Is, when is this bloodline stuff gonna end? Mm. It's going on for Chris said you gotta you gotta it finish the story is what he's saying going saying. to end. I'm supposed to sit through this to through another <laughs> WrestleMania. Macho Man and Hogan had an end. Ooh. And that's what makes it great. But you're continuing it on. It, you're it, saying it, that the story it, went on with Elizabeth. No, I was Elizabeth. Over you're like, what? You didn't see those tears in those white women's eyes. See, you're like the people. You're like the people who stopped Roman, watching. Roman, who stopped watching Beverly Roman, Hills 90210 when they left high school, and then you tell them, "Hey, they went to college too." You're like, it went on. Did <laughs> <laughs> after that? It was more than just a peach pit. <laughs> it was more than a peach pit. They went to college. Why they do that? Like you tell somebody. You tell somebody. Damn, I, like I was more in the Melrose you, place. You know, you, you know like, they got saved by the bell, but college years. I, I watched that with uh, Bob <laughs> Golick. Yeah, that should have ended too. Like, like I said, I like, I like, I like stuff to have a beginning, a, a middle, middle, and an end. end. I don't mm. like stuff to have a beginning. A middle, another mm. middle, another middle, mm. another middle. Talk to they will finally I will, say, end. I will say that Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho has a better beginning, middle, end mm. than mm. Macho Man and Hogan, wow. as well as Triple H and Shawn Michaels, because the Triple H Shawn Michaels end or near the end was a 45-minute Hell in a Cell match that no one since mm. 2004 has watched back that bullshit match. Ray? That was the beginning of those marathon Triple H matches yeah, that, that put everybody to sleep. You would just expect it. You, I know when to get my popcorn and to use the bathroom at WrestleMania, and that's when I hear, time to hear the dream. I go use the goddamn bathroom. And I'd be like, oh, God, I gotta use the bathroom. Yeah, I think, so I think, look, time. that's the one thing Chris can agree with you with because this is the man you talking to tonight. Said this is a brother that went to that WrestleMania at Levi Stadium, and when Triple H had the audacity, the blasphemy to pin Sting, this brother got up 
and drove all the way back to L.A. Didn't even stay for the fireworks. The, the main event. This brother went home. No, oh I, I I went I went to the post wrestling meetup. One of the homies at the post wrestling meetup gave me a ticket to that WrestleMania because I figured something fishy was going to go on, but they gave me a ticket, so I was like, okay, I'll go to WrestleMania. And then they had that match, and Sting got pinned, and I'm like, you guys can't even do this right. And I just it took me it was it felt like I was a walking a mile to my car in that busy ass parking lot. But I left and just went home. And it wasn't like I was the only one leaving. There was a little <laughs> bit of traffic in that parking yeah, lot. And you I had yeah, the I, only one. Yeah, and I hopped on that 101 and drove right this back to LA. Brother, brother was home before the main event ended. <laughs> he was like, he was like, he saw that Seth Rollins cash in. He was like, maybe I should have stayed for at least that. Um yeah. All I will say about the AEW ratings is I think that a lot of too much focus is on a number dropping when mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't care about that. Agreed. They care yeah, about yeah. the ranking, true. where yeah. it ranks in right. the, Among- the key <clears throat> demo. Yeah. And yeah. what Dynamite does weekly right. is it ranks in the top five. So that's what they're looking yeah. for for division. Fightful Select just put out a report about that uh, just before you guys went live talking about that, that WBD is more concerned with a top five ranking. That's what they view as rating success. It don't matter if they do 495,000 for the week, 800,000 for the week. All they care about is that ranking as far as the key demo. So I think that that is where people need to put more their focus on yeah. instead of being like, oh, if it went under 900,000, oh, it's in the mud, right. which a lot of fans do that they with do that. AEW, and it's very, very Yeah, weird and they're trying to... I'm a wrestling fan. I want right. everybody to be good. I got stock yeah. in WWE. The, my love of my life work for WWE, AEW. I saw it from the very beginning. I was at All In at the first Dynamite. I love New Japan. New Japan is my favorite promotion. Mm-hmm. I want all these promotions to do to do well, right. to do Agreed. great. I do interviews yeah. with Impact Wrestling. I want Impact to, to thrive. And you do want great, everybody so. to win except for right. Tyrus. Yes, <laughs> everyone to win except the NWA. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's gonna be Tyrus and uh Stephen A. Smith going, they're gonna have yo, a show together. That is don't not say the craziest that. thing in the world. Actually, yeah. you, you yeah, put that idea in the show. Damn it. Damn it, Ray, you brought this into existence. That's true. Chris, what well, can we can we just cut him? Like, is is there gonna be any cap hit if we just cut him now? We 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 need the the uh, person to man the do the stuff we can't do. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. So. Then I have to bring up the comments myself. Right, that's exactly yeah. how that's exactly how those NFL owners explained it to you know yeah. our rubber dumb and um <laughs> yeah Gavin yeah. Yeah, puts up the, the, the comments you know we but, that, uh, yeah we gotta well, work well, it, to the next budget. And, and Turner is very serious. I know this for a fact too. They're very serious about building up their sports division, you know. Yeah. And and AEW plays big into that. They're trying to go back to the um Harvey Schiller days, you know, when they still had um NFL on TNT. You know, they're trying to build That's one of the things AEW has going for it, Chris, is it's live yeah. programming. Yeah. In an and- era where live programming still means something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As this is my only thing for TK that I would say mm-hmm. is just I just don't want collision to ever turn into impact and or not impact to turn into rampage. And mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I, I think that that um, uh, collision is going to 
always be an important show um and um you know whatever and and I, and people I don't care about the 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 belts in wrestling I know people care about that more than I do if you know they want to get a, a zillion titles like WWE <laughs> I, I I I don't care anymore um I stopped caring about that um years ago because I mean they just they're they're what do they say they're 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 props right that's that's the way yeah. they're treated that's that's how I treat it now so so you know one thing Chris mentioned earlier that I think we can all agree on is a good story has a beginning a middle and an end Sid and in this show had a beginning had a middle and now unlike uh Sid hating on Cody Devontae Rose we're gonna finish the story Ladies and gentlemen, because we we did it almost three hours on the uh, July edition of the Kings of Sport podcast. Who knows? We might hit another episode here in July, but if not, we'll see you in August. Uh, but yeah, a lot of great conversation this week. A lot of fun, uh, fun discussion. Uh, and and uh, who knows? Maybe this show was good enough that there's some middle aged white lady out there and watch this broadcast and she sits here with a tear a tear in her eye ray because of what she heard tonight um but let's go around the horn real quick uh let everybody get in there they props and plugs let's start with our first time guest uh it's still conditional whether he'll be back we, we got to review what he said about cody uh but uh boy justin goodman from uh hoopsology uh jg we appreciate the hoops knowledge tonight uh, and, uh, you know, we, we definitely will welcome you back anytime once, uh, once we reviewed your statements on Cody, of course, uh, but any plugs, let the people know about your podcast if they haven't heard it. Like I said, I've been a guest a couple times. So, uh, shout out Hoopsology, man. Yeah, I know. Must appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed this, the, uh, pro wrestling talk. Uh, you can find me on uh, JG Hoopsology on Twitter. Uh, find our podcast um, at Hoopsology Pod. Um, send us an email with any of your uh, basketball questions, what you think about Wimby at Summer League at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Our podcast, we featured uh, Lee Ellis, formerly of No Dunks, uh, Ralph mm. Lawler, who was the former uh, play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Clippers, and Mike Greenberg of ESPN. Um, that's all in our archives. Go check that okay, out. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see you talking with Greeny. <laughs> I will say, Justin, uh, I'm going to need you to change the header on Hoopsology. Because when I was trying to DM you to invite you to the show, like the 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 handle that's on there for you is not you. Oh. <laughs> it ain't you, brother. I don't know who this brother is. Uh, that was like an old handle you used to have. But I went on there and I'm like, I don't think this is Justin because he's posting a lot of sexually explicit material oh my god oh, on, on no. elon musk's internet that ain't well, the justin i know <laughs> that my um handles it's uh jg hoopsology so this yes. is <laughs> oh, i don't know what the other one you're talking about so. this man justin got a burner account like kd <laughs> and it's nothing but sex oh geez don't get me started on the, on that geez. <laughs> speaking of burner accounts i know this brother probably got at least three or four sp3 Always good having you back on the program, even when you're wrong. Uh, let the people know <laughs> where they can hear more of your good work and uh, a lot of the stuff that you're doing over at the True Hill Heat Network, my brother. The great thing is I'm never wrong. Mm. Or I'll never admit I'm wrong. LeVar Ball. Um, <laughs> never lost. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Follow the gang, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at True Hill Heat. That's T-R-U, no E. 
That is our YouTube channel as well, True Hill Heat Wrestling. We're on our way to 8,000 subscribers over there. So check us out. Subscribe over there. About six to seven days of content over there, as well as our flagship podcast that Chris, Nate have been on before, uh, the True Hill Heat Flagship Podcast, 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time every Saturday. I'll be there tomorrow at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time to review New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Mm. Independence Day. You can see me on the Fightful Overbook YouTube channel on Tuesday, Believe in Pro Wrestling on Tuesday, and Sports Hita Wrestle Binge on Friday. That's all the places you can see me and my written work over at WrestleTalk.com. So, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate y'all, you know, let me join in on the talk a little bit late. And see, even my outro has a beginning, middle, and end that is entertaining equally. And I can rem- I can remember every single mm, moment. Mm. Unlike the trash feuds y'all try to put above Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. Shots on the way out the door. <laughs> um, but real quick, real quick, Sid, because uh, you mentioned a lot of the things that you do. I just have to ask for clarity's sake. Is the episode I did with you, is that still the highest rated it's episode in the one. history of True Hill Heat? Still, still number one we the this one. year and all time. The, the the most viewed when we talked about where the bloodline uh, storyline. So I love the fact that we were able to revisit that now six months later. Uh, but yeah, where we talked about where the bloodline storyline ranks all time in WWE storylines. I think my top five is still intact from that one and that we did today. So that was fun to talk about. Hey, I mean, we have to do another episode where you add in the Elizabeth saga because. Oh my god. Imagine 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 watching Endgame and someone come up to you and be like, yo, you should really watch Sea Hulk though. Like, you know, you know, I mean, she, you should see you should she, watch Sea Hulk though, man. She has a love life and then she gets superpowers. <laughs> And that's all. That's all the moments. Like yeah. someone, someone tell you the story of Avengers, and it's like these superheroes team up together, and they Somewhere. stop this guy with stones, and you know that's the end. And then <laughs> She Hulk happened, where there's a woman Yo. who's a lawyer. She has a love life. She gets Hulk powers. They don't know the ending at the end. It's all really crazy. You see how I knew more about She Hulk <laughs> than what I said about <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> that is what you did today. Jermaine, the hater from Chi-Town, is just fuming. You know, whether he's watching live tonight or he's listening in the future, because all the examples we've used are Marvel properties. And he's like, can't somebody use a flash metaphor? <laughs> Why y'all hating on DC? I did mention Black Adam earlier, though. <laughs> uh, but but let's go to the man who was on day seven of his 10-day contract. Rookie Ray, Raymondo Williams. Ray, what, what you got going on besides Kings of Sport, and where can people find you? Well, I appreciate you having me once again. Hopefully we get that contract renewed, or I'll be playing in a G League or FIBA 3-on-3. Three three. Uh, but uh, pretty much on any any type of social media, whether it be Instagram or Twitter, I'm Mondo Dondo one It's right below, M-O-N-D-O, D-O-N-D-O, number one. Yes, and, and contrary to any reports, I'm going to be J.J. Reddick here. Uh, we're not sending Ray to Beijing. Uh, this man ain't going to be playing in Beijing. <laughs> if, if, to Taiwan with Dwight Howard, please. If anything, we'll, <laughs> if anything we're going to work out a sign and trade with True Hill Heat and send Ray over to the homies. <laughs> Excursion. 
excursion over here. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll take on uh, drunk guy JJ for ten days. <laughs> I don't know if you want that. He <laughs> don't show up for work. <laughs> uh yeah so shout out shout out to ray and and, and justin and and uh sid and, and the crew over true Hill heat uh definitely check out all of their work particularly if you're like this has been one of the more sports heavy episodes of the kingdom sports so if you like the basketball conversation we had make sure to check out hoopsology because they do some good work over there uh but speaking of a brother that always does good work this man chris ely chris uh, and I want you I want you to keep things peaceful because I know you got some more Elizabeth Saga bullets in the chamber, but we gotta save that for another night, brother. Don't don't come out here shooting, brother. Don't 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 come out here on your John Moran. Don't do it, brother. That's somebody we forgot to that's somebody we forgot to talk about, but could have spent another 30 minutes talking about what's going on with Ja right now. Uh, but Chris, where can the people find you? What you got going on, not only here, but also over at WrestleNomics and uh, you know, anything else you want to promote, brother. Right, yeah. So I'm sure John Morant will pull out a gun somewhere else down the line. So that's 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 a story that's never every time John Morant packs heat, <laughs> yeah, so, packs heat uh, Angel yeah. gets its wings. Right, yeah. So, but yeah, so um, yeah, read me at WrestleNomics. So right now I've got a lot of different stuff going on. Um, I am working on a book right now, and it's like halfway done. Okay, and I am talking to a publisher okay. it's Can not a wrestling what it's about it, i can't talk to it so it's a it's a like rhetoric book it's about the weaponization of religion um and um we're still working out the the kinks of that we're talking about like what like what kind of advance i may or may not get okay. and all that kind of stuff so um i'm I'll always defer to my wife on that stuff so um, you know, like I, like I don't want to say if like talk to a publisher and they're like, oh, I give you a million dollar in advance and just take it <laughs> and then not ha- and then not sell enough books to pay you know back a million dollars. Chris, Chris gonna be out here like TLC after they got robbed. Right? By yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's the good thing about my wife. She's a finance major and stuff. But mm. even if so, I'm I'm looking for and if and at worst come to worst, I could release it as an ebook or something. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on. And then I do have a WrestleNomics um, article that I'm working on that I'm okay. might, that I'm trying to, I don't know if it's going to come out at the end of this month or the beginning of next month. And I'm really looking forward to our next episode of um, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates because I'm looking forward to talk about um, Junkyard Dog mm-hmm. and kind of give his um, career a little bit more perspective then I saw um, a lot of the white wrestling media outlets do mm. um, after. He, and it's no offense to them. It's just um, like um, I, I think that people, um, one, I don't think JYD gets the credit that he deserves. Mm-hmm. And and two, um, like the 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 burden that this guy had to carry along with his wrestling um where um the, he was basically a father to his nephew and his him and his sister raised mm-hmm. those kids together and stuff like that and people don't really understand 
like what this man went through. So I want to kind of talk about that on the next episode of Nubian Wrestling Advocate. So I look forward to that. And yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on that new Instagram bullshit. Oh, threads. We out here on threads. I I don't know how to use it, but if I see the rest (laughs) of y'all using it, uh, maybe I'll learn. And then my... um, my, one of my students was telling me about um, Spill. Um, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the bl- the black thing going on. And I had a code. I had to. You have to get invited to that. But I'm on right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I can't just let anybody how, in. Yeah, I don't know how to use that either. But I hear um, Cody Rhodes is already on Spill. Though. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh Cody. Cody he was like one of the first invites. Cody. It was, <laughs> it was Obama, Stevie Wonder, Beyonce, and Cody. Right, yeah. Like anything y'all can do that will get me away from Elon Musk's fuckery, mm. I would greatly appreciate. So, um Yeah, there are so many damn apps now. Right, yeah. Like, I, I'm on Threads now basically because somebody like my niece bullied me onto Threads. Yeah, yeah. Somebody did that to me also. Someone's So, I'm on Threads now so y'all can check me out at Black Nate, Black B L A Q U E underscore in the number 8 cuz I'm fancy Sid. Black Nate on threads. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Because I feel like this is the third time I've signed up for this is the app that's going to take down Twitter. And it don't never happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- this time it could because before um, Elon Musk, the, before Jack Dorsey was the uh, CEO of Twitter and Jack Dorsey wasn't the idiot that Elon Musk <laughs> is. So, um, it might take down Twitter this time. There is a realistic shot of that happening now. So as for me, and I'm going I'm to go full shot for the first time tonight, not only because I want to talk to the people, but because I want y'all to see this right here. I want y'all to check this. This merchandise that I got on my chest right now, this, this King's of Sport. Actually, it's not even technically merchandise because it's the only one in existence right now, but it might be coming to a storefront near you sometime in the next couple months, but uh, if you want to support the Kings of Sport, that's one way you can do it eventually. But if you want to support us right now, you say, Nate, I can't wait for this shirt. Head over to Patreon.com. Patreon.com is where you can find the Kings of Sport Patreon. Five bucks gets you in the door. If you want to pay more, we won't stop you. That's where you get uh, new shows, but also our entire back catalog of the Kings of Sport, of Chris's political show, the 2020 Twin, of the original episodes of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates before it went to post-wrestling, uh, of shows like uh, Keep It 100, if you like that show that me and Brian Mann did back in the day. The archives of that is on uh, the Kings of Sport Patreon. We've got MCU reviews. We've got DC reviews. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on there. I think there's even like a couple of episodes from when I was on the radio down here talking sports in Virginia. So you can check that out at patreon.com backslash kings of sport. While you're there, be sure to check out uh Sid's Patreon for True Heel Heat. And I don't I don't know, Justin, you got a Patreon? Uh not at the moment. <laughs> okay, so don't give Justin no money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find me. Also on Twitter at in the number eight M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic. That is where you will find the links to all my shows. Of course, the NWA podcast and Rocky My V on post. Uh, we've got the main event over at Place to Be Nation. Uh, I've got the Lituation Room over at the DC TV Podcast Networks, which is a, just a show about, you know, four black folks being nerdy and, and talking about this media that we're all consuming. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you could find me, a lot of avenues. But that is going to bring an end to tonight's festivities. Before I get out of here, I want to send a quick shout out to a good friend of mine, uh, Sinatra Royale. 
who is the brother that created our brand new theme music that uh, is going to keep us from uh, getting copyright strikes. So maybe we can maybe we can start making some money like Sid and them out here on these streets. Uh, now that Run DMC doesn't strike down yeah. every one of our videos because we're right. playing down <laughs> with the Kings. Uh, but uh, oh oh, I, Conrad Thompson, if you want us at the next panel at the next mm. uh, little shindig, uh, what's it called again? Starcast. Starcast. You want us mm -hmm. at the Starcast? We'll break bread, man. Okay. But, yeah, Conrad. But, we open the conversation. But brother. we, but yeah, we, we get, the operative phrase is break bread. So mm, mm. <laughs> it don't make dollars. It don't make sense, Conrad. <laughs> That's all we're saying, brother. Hey, hey, and also, like, here's the thing. I feel like. I feel like Sid, after we didn't talk about this man, Stephen A. Smith chasing the bag, it feels kind of wrong. But that's one thing we're going to start doing this year, man. We ain't never actively chased the bag. We've kind of like passively chased the bag because this, this, this is a passion thing, man. It's about the love of the game. But also, yeah. it's, it's nice to get some paper for it. Yeah, so we're going to start chasing these sponsors. We're going to start you know, chasing yeah. some of these yeah. other opportunities. Chase the bag without selling out. you know. That's yeah. right. You know, that's like, right. We ain't sell out as, as Jeff Jarrett once said. We bought in, Sid. <laughs> we did, brother. Absolutely. So if you hear me uh, a couple episodes from now trying to sell you some Viagra, don't worry about it. If you hear me trying to sell you, you some better help, trying to sell you some better help. Uh, if you hear me trying to sell you some uh, uh, uh Steven Singer meal plans, you know what I'm saying? Because because Sid, sometimes we all busy, man. We ain't got time to cook dinner. That's why Blue Apron comes in handy, brother. Look, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for these opportunities. We're going to speak it into existence. Maybe we can get enough money to get Ray off of this 10-day contract and finally sign him to the league minimum. He going to be get the league money, minimum, Ray. Ray. Get wait. your money. <laughs> but, yeah, man, we, we appreciate everybody that's watching live tonight. I saw, uh, you know, folks pop in from time to time. I know it's been three hours, but it's probably because we have not done a show in a month, and this always happens. Uh, but we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, again, Sinatra Royale, check him out on all the social media sites because uh, the brother's been doing good work, been making uh, music for 10 years. He was involved with something in the water uh, that just happened recently here in Virginia. So he's a, a, a great local artist and a good brother. So support him because he supported us, man. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition. A very spirited edition of the Kings of Sport, man. Like Terrence from Florida. The, the brother draws out emotion, Sid. <laughs> like nobody can. He brings it all. He brings <laughs> all the emotions we need. You just yes. don't. You, he don't give you the emotions to remember all the moments mm. from a year-long storyline. Damn. But we going to remember this episode of the Kings of Sport for Justin, for this man, SP3, for Rookie Ray, a.k.a. 10-Day Ray, and, of course, for my brother, the professor, Chris Ely. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton. Thank you so much for watching live or watching in the future on our YouTube channel or listening in the future via the podcast feed. Uh, we're going to be back either later this month or next month with an all-new edition of the world's most dangerous sports show, the Kings of Sport Podcast. So, for the fellas, I'm Nate. And what you going to do, Sid? When we start selling blue chew on you, <laughs> about the best I got. It's like 12 o'clock midnight. So uh, y'all have a good night. We appreciate everybody. And we will see y'all next time. Because you been down with the king.
Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Kings of Sport. Be sure to come back next week for an all-new episode. You can leave feedback for the show on Twitter at KOS underscore POD or via Gmail at thekingsofsport at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend. The Kings of Sport is a production of the Mosaic Podcast Network. Whether you like it or not, he's bad. D-A-double-D-Y, fat Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to leave it all on the mat. Because that's what I do when I get it done so I can do it. Yeah! What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here?